LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Certainly is. Thursday morning. Very quiet. Very quiet in London town. I was, when I came in this morning, it was quite nice. It was like a welcoming committee outside, which is always, always good news when you get dropped off at the door. And uh, so I came inside and I was chatting to one of the other presenters who, who starts uh, a bit earlier than I do in the morning. And, uh, and we were looking at the big screen up in our foyer. We've got this huge uh, bank of screens. It's sort of lots of different screens, but it makes up one, one big picture. And it goes round all the studios. So in other words, when, you're, when, when it's my turn to be on screen downstairs, I get a little red light that comes on. Uh, up here, and my red light is on now, so, you know, I do that. Because we were watching one of the other studios, one of the other present, and he wasn't doing anything. He was just sort of sitting there staring <laughs> staring into space. And I said, the thing you need to do is if you're going to be on television, which we are now, James, so wait, 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 wait for the camera, wait for the camera, wait for the camera, there, there we are, there's the camera, look, a little red light on it. Oh, it's hopeless, isn't it, honestly? So, yeah, so people standing here, they're going to watch James come in the studio, and then he stares up at it, you know, like he's never seen a camera before. Not a clue. It's a bit like making one of those home movies you do. You know, that kind of thing, you know, where the little red light comes on, then you, then you perform. That's what you do here. So I said to him, I said, every time, not to James, somebody else, I said, every time the little red light comes on in your studio, people seem to be blissfully unaware of when they were on, on camera. I said, when the red light comes on, that's when you're on the big screen downstairs. So I said, start waving your arms around and being animated. It doesn't work the other side. It only shows, only shows the star. And uh, no, you can wave, to, wave, wave as much as you like on your camera. You're not seen at all. It's only me in here. And, uh, and I love it. I think it's great, actually, because I'm sort of in, in, in sort of big... I was going to say I was in 3D, but I'm not in 3D at all. Even in real life, I'm not in 3D. And how much would you pay for a haircut? I spoke to a friend of mine earlier on. How much would you pay for a haircut? He said to me, he said he go, I, thought he was, I thought he was joking, because to be honest with you, I look at him and he looks like he's been dropped in a puddle and dragged through a hedge. And, uh, and he said, I go in there and they have, have a peppermint massage and then they do a little bit of Reiki or whatever it is they do. And, uh, and then they sort of cut, they bring you a cup of tea. I said, how much is that? He said, £63. I said, for a haircut? 63 I thought it was bad enough. When we went to Carnaby Street the other day, we looked at, there was an old-fashioned type barber's, but certainly not old-fashioned prices. A standard cut in this barber's in Carnaby Street, £50. £50! Now, I do know that we have a celebrity barber who listens to this programme most days, and I think he charges £50. But then he's dealing with sort of upmarket clients, people who want to be sort of pampered over. But when I looked at this friend, I won't tell you who it is, because he's, he's, he's quite well known, £63 for a haircut. I couldn't believe it. He said, how much do you pay? I said, don't pay anything. So I'd give him a fiver, but I'd, I don't pay anything. Which is probably just right, because I haven't really actually got any hair. But it still takes about... Um, 20 minutes to do my hair. As indeed, you know, for most people, 20 minutes would be average. But I, I, I give them a fiver, but they don't ask for any money when I get my hair cut. They do it for, I think they actually have a laugh. You know, we go there for a little bit of a, bit of a chat. 63 quid, though. I couldn't... I mean, I thought, you'd have to be mad to spend that sort of... I said, where'd you go to? And he said he goes to Tony and Guy's at Sloan Square. For 63 pounds? I thought that was just too much money for it. Because men's hair, unless you're a male model or you're having it coloured or something like that, and... I'm assuming that a lot of men sort of do, uh, a lot of men do get their hair coloured as they go a bit greyer, because they always say, you know, do you want us to take the uh, the grey out? I said, I, I wouldn't have that done at Tony and Gar. I said, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Could be £120, couldn't it, for a bit of cut and colour? I know ladies pay a lot for, for cut and colour, and it's it's not unusual for ladies to pay £30 
for, uh, I was going to say, a blow wave and set. I don't know, I don't know what they do now. What, what do, they, do they just have a lady's cut? Is that what they do? They go in there? Because I remember in barbers, if you have, when I used to have long hair, they used to charge extra for longer hair. Longer hair apparently meant that it took longer to do. And so I used to have long hair down to my shoulders. Well, in my dreams, I had it down to my shoulders. And uh, because that's what everybody did. When you leave school, you kind of rebel because you've had to have short back and sides, really. A bit like being in the army, I suppose. And then you rebel and you grow your hair longer. And uh, and I remember going for my first time. I used to hate having my hair cut. I used to hate it. But then I discovered the delights of highlights. And my friend Nadia used to have a hairdressing salon in Twickenham. And she used to do my highlights for me. And I used to love having my highlights done. I used to walk out thinking, well, the fact my hair was falling out didn't seem to matter. And now, I mean, I, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I don't know why men should never, ever get worried about your hair falling out. I said to the producer the other day, I said, you're receding really badly. And, um, and don't Google me, for goodness sake. Honestly, what do you get? Yeah, all right. He's now Googling all the old pictures of me when I used to have hair. That was our mean and moody pictures. <laughs> Do you know, I mean, I to be honest with you, I don't know why why people ever want radio presenters' pictures. They're not that exciting. But oh, that was a good one. And me in the snow, that was nice. That was my advent calendar for 2010. Was that the um, the 2010 advent calendar? Was that the? Uh, I don't remember that one actually. Steve visits. Good lord, there's loads of them, aren't there? Loads and loads of pictures of me. Oh, God, what an ego trip. Uh, that was me cutting down the Christmas tree. That was 2010, was it? Wow. That's nice, actually. If you go to, are these on the LBC website? Right, just go to lbc.co.uk. Vintage picture, Steve Allen break dancing, Steve goes cycling. A hideously wooden, disfigured person and Steve. What's that one? What's the hideously deformed person and Steve Allen? That'll be in... Oh, right, do you know, I can't... Where's that? I can't even remember where that is. You know, sometimes you look at the, these pictures and you think, where was that taken? Because, you know, as, as you get a little bit older, and now I'm hitting, you know, the, the big four zero, getting there, you know, you start looking at these uh, pictures. Yes, all right, I think we'll take that one off. That maybe isn't, isn't one of the better ones that we've had. In fact, it has gone, hasn't it? Has it gone? Oh, it's not gone. It's still there, is it? Oh, dear. Never mind. Anyway, so, uh, so whilst the producer reminisces... It's a bit, beginning to look a bit like stalking, to be honest with you, every day. Luckily, the camera's still on me. So, but I mean, that that was a that was a mean and moody picture. Some of the other ones. Oh, is Paul Paul Dunford is there? Some of mine from the show. Then all of a sudden, there's a picture of of James O'Brien, looking quite quite respectable, actually. Not that he looks respectable all the time. Um, and I got a letter in from Watford from Nick who sent me in some theatre programmes. And one of them is for the Richmond Theatre, 1958, this programme is. And the programme was sixpence. And to be honest with you, there's nothing in it. There's one, two, three, about four pages. And that's it. But he said that one of the adverts is, is quite funny. It's the Twickenham First Stores on Heath Road. And when I first moved into the area, it actually had uh, a Twickenham First Store. They would remodel your fur into everything. Visit our first salon is the advert for your fur coat, stole, jacket or fur cape. And uh, it, was, it was on the parade near the Odeon Cinema. Terribly funny. Terribly funny. West End workmanship assured by expert craftsmen. All works executed on the premises. Used to have bars on the window and fur coats. And I remember when I first moved in. And then there was Disco, R Richmond's favourite record and radio centre. Uh, the Prince's Head Tudor Bar. 
One of the most popular houses in Britain, on the green, the Prince's Head. I think it might have changed its name by now. But there was a, but there's a lovely one here, which is for China Restaurant. Bear in mind, this is 1958, remember? China Restaurant, authentic Chinese food. So now, I didn't realise that Chinese food had been around that length of time. 1958. So it's, it's been around for the best part of... 60-something years Chinese restaurants, whereas I remember the first Chinese restaurant that we got in Newbury. Perhaps they were just in London. 1958, there was a China restaurant. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, I find that difficult to believe, but they say here, uh, dish, hot dishes at any time. That was obviously a big specialty. Uh, plus, curry noodles and chop suey specialists. It was opposite the Town Hall in Richmond, 26A Hill Street, upstairs, and they had a branch in Oxford Street, 497 Oxford Street. How wonderful. And then the beauty shop. 1958, beauticians and hairstylists under the personal supervision of Miss Joan Payne. They made it sound terribly grand, didn't they? And uh, Alan Miles was the licensee and general manager at the Richmond Theatre. And they were doing the voice of the turtle with George Baker and Barbara Mitchell. Do you remember Barbara Mitchell? And uh, very interesting. And it's got all sorts of... It's the adverts that I love. Eugene Perms at Maxine, 1A Church Court, Richmond. I remember going to the cinema... And Kenny Everett was doing the voiceover for a for an Indian restaurant, and he was going, "Come to the Taj Mahal. It's a super, super place." And guess what? There's no flocked wallpaper because in those days, every Indian restaurant you went into had flocked wallpaper, and also very odd lighting, very odd lighting, green, orange being the favoured colours, and so it just made the sauce. On it, 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 to me, I thought it was, we were in the middle of a nuclear war. 84850, stephen uk. We'll tell you what Dick Ferrari's doing a little bit later on. We'll take all your texts and emails. Simon says, I can't believe anybody who pays £63 for a haircut. I've got a brilliant barber around the corner that charges £8.50. Plus, I get a free cup of tea and a good gossip. You see, I could also get a free cup of tea as well. And we have the gossip as well. If I'm going to get my haircut today, and they won't, they won't charge me. I'm, I'm going because it goes fluffy. And once it starts going fluffy, I have to go in there and get it just sort of trimmed down. Yeah, yours is very fluffy, I know, but then you look like you've been plugged into the electric socket for about the past ten minutes. It's not a good look at all. I mean, it's okay, it's okay if you like that in Cambridge, but I mean, to be honest with you, in London, it's a bit dated. It is. If I saw you sitting on the tube, I would get up and change carriages. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting in the same carriage as you, because I'd obviously be in second class. And uh, other stories of the papers today. We still don't appear... To, oh, we found an express. Oh, that's good. I was a little bit worried, actually, that we didn't have one. Uh, Russell Brand... Makes the front of the sun because he made uh, a comment. Uh, they say he was uh, he was booted out of a celebrity party. It wasn't. It was that GQ Man of the Year thing. You know, award ceremonies. They're two. But nobody gives a toss about them. To be honest with you, it's just another award ceremony. And if you're looking for coverage, you invite controversial people. So they invited Russell Brand. He did a speech about Hugo Boss, which backed the event, and uh, said that they designed. Un- he said that they designed uniform for Hitler's SS. And so they then got, you know, really angry with him. And uh, the GQ editor said to Russell Brand, what you did was very offensive to Hugo Boss. And Russell Brand says to the GQ editor, what Hugo Boss did was very offensive to the Jews. So and so it went on. So he was kicked out of the party. This this is the day after Lauren Harris, the um, the sex change on so-called Big Brother. I, I omitted using the word celebrity because there's no celebrities in there at all. This is just some very silly remedial people. Uh, Lauren Harris claimed that uh, he stroke she had had a had a, a night of passion with Russell Brand. <laughs> You'd have to be fairly drunk to go anywhere near Lauren Harris, I would have thought. Uh, uh, don't you have the Jewellery Channel? 
on uh, on one of your screens. We know you love it for Tanzanite. Biggest pile of rubbish in the entire world, isn't it? Although there is a diamond coming up for sale very shortly. It's 22 carats. Is it 22? No, it's 100 and something carats. It's the, it's the biggest one that they found. They reckon it's worth about 22 and a half million. And then you watch the jewellery channel. And, and again, they're... There's one called, is it Gems Co? Gems and Co. And they all do the same. They put up this fake price. They put up the fake price. On one of them, £22,000. And then they, they put up the, the caption, which says, the price shown indicates neither a worth nor a value. But it keeps dropping down. You know, it'll drop 22500 22499 You think, well, why is it up there? It's up there to hoodwink you into the fact you're buying something decent as opposed to you're buying a piece of rubbish. And then they go, and this is, this is so rare, £29.99. You think, it's not rare at all. All you've done is exploit the poor people who have to mine this stuff, you know, in the middle of some godforsaken hellhole on earth, just so a few old chavs can buy a piece of crap jewellery. And that's all it is. They're selling, there's nothing decent on there at all. If you want proper jewellery, you go to Hatton Garden, you go to a proper shop. I love the way they would say, and you could take it and get it valued at Tiffany's. Tiffany's would laugh you out of the shop on some of this rubbish. They really would. And then you look at the presenters. Oh, my God. God, it's like a sink estate working for a change. 4.20 is, uh, is the time. Coming up with uh, Nick Ferrari, another unmissable edition of Call Clegg, as the Deputy Prime Minister gives his thoughts on the G20 summit in St Petersburg and takes your calls. Nick will be asking, what question would you ask Obama if you could? That's quite broad spectrum there. And what does London offer the worst cancer... Why does it offer the worst cancer support in the UK? My mother died of cancer and... Uh, I couldn't possibly comment. I couldn't possibly... I've said before that the consultant that she had was worse than bloody useless. Worse than useless. And you do want... You want answers, you know, for any person listening at the moment who uh, who really doesn't know anything about cancer at all. You want answers to your questions. And they appear not to have them all the time. They they really don't have them. Or well, failing that, they, they aren't at liberty to actually tell you what's going on. And it's it's such a shame, isn't it? Such a shame. 84850, steve at Weave it all in on the programme. Uh, looking at the papers today. Oh, it's Jonathan Shallot. Let's look at the... We like it when Jonathan Shallot comes in. He's chairman of Raw, where he's a, a leading music and TV agent and visiting professor at Henley Business School. So he becomes Professor Jonathan Shallot. He's probably up now, I should imagine. He's probably doing a workout even as we speak. We love Jonathan Shallot. Because he's got possibly one of the best... Uh, artist stables that I've ever seen. He seems to have everybody I seem to dislike. Jonathan Shallot seems to take them on board. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, there is a picture of the paper today. You remember that we had the story the other day of the guy in Australia who goes out there and he swims across this river and people say, don't ever, don't ever swim across this river because it's the most crocodile-infested place you've ever seen. And so he swims across and the crocodile takes him. It grabs him. It was last seen swimming up the river. They rescued his body now. He's dead, quite clearly. But they have in... Uh, Mississippi, a cull. For I think something like two weeks, you can get a licence and you can go out and kill alligators because they want to keep the thing down. And I, I think anybody can go out there. So, of course, you get all these chavvy people who go out there to kill alligators. And they have killed the biggest alligator I've ever seen. It took them ten hours. Ten hours to land. And when you look at this thing, you suddenly realise that in the water... They're, they're like, you know, they're like goldfish. Swim around very, very fast because they do it. This thing was 13 feet long from tip to toe and weighed 52 stone. It's huge. They're going to cook it and eat it. 
Now, I've never eaten alligator. There's a restaurant in London where they serve alligator. It's just never appealed to me. I don't know why. But this thing is absolutely huge. You can imagine, if this thing takes you, this is all muscle. Once these jaws lock onto you, and it, it, the, looking at the four people who managed to land it, it could have taken them all out, I should imagine. It wouldn't have been too much trouble. You just bite one in half and then take the rest of them. It is absolutely huge. Dustin Bockman. He says, we will cook it for sure, there's plenty for everybody. But it's a huge... You almost feel sorry for it, that it was the one that was caught. Because it's so big, it's obviously lived... I don't know how long uh, how long this thing is, how old it is, I've got no idea. But it's just unbelievable. You look at the picture of it in the paper today and you'll be going, you don't want to go in the water when that thing is about. It's uh, far too dangerous, far too dangerous. Uh, Louis Walsh, bless his heart has banned his X Factor contestants from singing Oasis tracks to spare Nicole Appleton's blushes. Because apparently Nicole Appleton... I mean, do you think she knows any Oasis songs? I shouldn't imagine she's got the brain capacity to know anything at all. The woman's an idiot. Which was the one that went out to I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? Was it, was it Nicole or was it the other barking mad sister? I can't remember which one went out there. But uh, Nicole... Because one of them went out and it was the most embarrassing thing you've ever seen. It was Natalie who went out there, was it? And so this is, this is Nicole... And, uh, you know, obviously can't even keep her man. So she's, uh, she's lost him completely. And so Louis Walsh has banned any X Factor, you know, any, anybody singing Oasis songs. Who's going to sing Oasis songs or the X Factor? Nobody, mate. Nobody's going to sing Oasis songs. And also, who cares about, you know, Miss Appleton, Nicole Appleton? She's nobody. She's nobody. She hasn't been in the business for donkey's years. Might have been married to some bloke who was in Oasis, but that's about as far as it goes. Her knowledge of uh, music must be fairly limited, I would have thought, in keeping with Louis Walsh. Because he's never had anybody get through. I mean, the only people he picked up on was Jedward. Two sort of little boys that we seem to have lost. Uh, I'll duet with Jerry. Guess who's saying this? Scary Spice, Mel B. I mean, I don't know. Would you really want to duet with... With Jerry Halliwell. She was the one who walked out of the Spice Girls to start with, and that's when it all collapsed. And um, I said, they must be bored out their tinies. I suppose if you've been used to playing to lots and lots of uh, people, and then all of a sudden it stops, you must get a bit bored, mustn't you? You must be sort of thinking to yourself, you know, what do I do now? And I don't know what Jerry Halliwell does. Does she have a job or does she just sort of wander about taking her, her daughter to school and picking up the dog or something? I don't know wh- whether she actually has a job. The others appear to have done things. I mean, the most successful, surprisingly, out of all of them, is Victoria Beckham. The, the least one who was successful in the group. Um, Steve says, Derek, come and guest on a jewellery channel show would be a joy. It's Rox and Co. The other. You would, do you know, nothing on earth would ever get me to do things. I couldn't sit there and have the courage of my convictions. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I mean, it just... It just would not be my kind of thing. We had the boy on this morning. Was it last Was it last night? This morning? No, it might have been this morning. Who also does the roulette. I've noticed for the jewellery channel, he flattens his hair down. And for the roulette, he sticks it... <laughs> he gels it up in the air. It's a bit, uh, bit old, really. I can't remember what his, what his name is. Apparently, uh, the bigger... The uh, the older the alligator is, so the bigger it is, the older it is. This one's huge, fifty two stud. It is enormous. E no, I've never seen anything the size of it. I really haven't. Uh, we will do the uh, the weather for you in a moment. Oh, that was weird, says Paul. I just opened the app up and then I heard my name. What was that all about? What did I do? What did I do? Nothing. We were just looking through pictures, and there was a picture of you in the LBC studio, um, uh, which is on the website. The, the, the producer was going through one of his 
one of his bizarre moments where he sort of, he just likes looking at early pictures of me. You know, it kind of reassures him, I suppose, that the person he sits looking at every morning used to be quite attractive at one time. And, uh, and, it, and, and, and he, he has a laugh. He likes to have a little laugh. Yes, it's me and, me and you. And uh, one half of Hinge and Bracket. And uh, there's me again. My God. I was quite attractive even then, you know. Do you remember Hinge and Brackets? Was that before your time? It was, was it before your time, Hinge? Was it really? Good Lord. Look at me there, I'll see. I look at the little cherubic face. Quite cute, actually. But, because um, that was May the 11th, 2002, that Patrick Fife died, the other half of, of Hinge and Bracket. And so we managed to, to, to get the surviving one in who came in and uh, to LBC, which was lovely, actually. It was good. Came all the way up at two o'clock in the morning. Two o'clock in the morning, which was great. Actually, him and his, his partner now run a bed and breakfast over in France. A gîte, as they say. A gîte. Which is lovely. It was, it was happy, happy days, happy memories. And Paul still keeps the uh, Hinge and Bracket uh, website alive. And also the memories. Uh, there's a new film. Oh, sorry, no, there's a, there's a new book, actually, called Diana, Her Last Love. By Katie Small. I picked up a book, actually. I think it's about Kate upstairs. I like, to, I like to pick a book to read on the train on the way home, just to, you know, sort of reaffirm the fact that there's some rubbish books out there. And I brought one in today, which I quite like. It's called Bankside. It's by David Brandon and Alan Brooke. It's London's original district of sin. <coughs> Excuse me. This used to be the, uh, the playground. It's on the south bank of the, of the Thames. It had inns, bear pits brothels and theatres. It was, I mean, it was, it was quite a hotbed. It really was. You know, William Shakespeare was around in these times. And it was, I mean, I'd love to have been there. Wouldn't you have loved to have walked around London in the early days, you know, in the 1700s, just to see really what it was like? I mean, that, that would be just fantastic. If you could wave that magic wand, if, you, if there was such a thing as a TARDIS and you could get in there and you could go back and just, just observe... And see what uh, see what London looked like would have been filthy. Fleet Street would have been disgusting. I mean the uh, the rubbish that they threw out. There'd be bodies floating up and down the Thames. Dead animals. The Thames was so bad. It stunk so badly that over in Parliament they had to put up Hessian curtains with lime in to keep the smell out. It was so so bad. I'd have loved to have gone there. I'd have loved to have gone there. But I was reading some stuff this morning about uh, about Peeps. And his diaries. You know, there is a Peeps organisation that has still got his scrapbook, his diaries written in uh, shorthand, some form of shorthand, and then the the actual diary after the shorthand. But it was his scrapbooks. He kept a scrapbook of women. He was he was big into women. Was Peeps. He liked women. In fact, some of the stories are totally unrepeatable. But there were certain people that he absolutely fancied. And they uh, then they were looking at the Nell Gwyn. Museum who sold oranges, which I think were apples, but she was so rich she got an annuity from the king of five thousand pounds a year, and she had her own glass carriage so people could see. Her. I mean, she was she was a celebrity, apart from the fact she was uh, she was only one step you know away from hooking. She was uh, working Theatre Royal Drury Lane, and she lived in a very fashionable house. She was she was considered a great beauty, a great beauty in her day. It's LBC ninety seven point three. Time now is. 4.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Love the story on the front of the Express this morning. Yes, 
Diana was killed by an SAS hit squad. There you go. Apparently this is an SAS soldier's claims that the elite regiment murdered Diana. Uh, the police were told this. It's utterly convincing. Oh, well, that's it then. That's totally convincing. That's how she was killed. The former sniper's estranged wife has informed Scotland Yard she's completely sure he's telling the truth. Well, they're flogging a book by the sound of it. Her total belief in Soldier N emerged as she was interviewed at length at a secret location, but luckily the Express knew about it. Woo! Same company that brought you Celebrity Big Brother brings you the conspiracy theory. Significantly, she said that the sergeant's allegations came while they were on good terms and before their marriage had hit the rocks. She was utterly convinced uh, that he was telling the truth that the SAS was involved in Diana and Dodie Fyde's death. Soldier N apparently claimed Dodie and Diana's driver... Henri Paul was blinded by an intense flash of light. And um, that was moments before he lost control of the Mercedes. So now you know. Apparently, uh, Diana, Dodie and the driver, Paul, died when the car smashed into a pillar in the underpass in Paris in 97. The bodyguard, Trevor Rhys-Jones, was critically injured but survived. Didn't he lose his mind? Didn't he lose his memory? The bodyguard. I'm sure he, he couldn't remember anything. And then, surprisingly, it came back later. But at that moment, he couldn't remember anything at all. This is the bodyguard. Couldn't remember anything at all. So now they've uh, they've got all these uh, these details. The decorated Special Forces veteran has been welcomed into the SAS Association, the exclusive club for former members of the elite unit, despite his conviction and discharge. Because, as you know, my father used to run the Special Forces Club in Knightsbridge which is for the elite forces. He didn't run it for very long, it has to be said. But, uh, but he did run it. Uh, Jenny, 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 says, uh, regards to hair, Sally Jacks, have you seen the hairstyle? Yesterday was the worst I've ever seen. Well, she's quite old now. There's nothing you can do about the poor soul. I mean, that's the, it's the best she's ever going to get. I can't, see it, I can't see it going anywhere from there, can you? I think if, you, if you've done, like, a shopping-type channel thing, I think, I think it, 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 it's very similar to supermarkets, isn't it? So, in other words, if you work for Waitrose or Marks and Spencers, that would be considered better than, say, Morrison's or Aldi or Lidl. And probably in the same, QVC would be seen as the elite shopping channel, possibly by Living World uh, after that. And then down come the jewellery channels and bid and bye. Oh, bless. Oh, you going as well? The producer's leaving. Thank God for that. <laughs> Tried for years, finally going. I love how he sort of waves half-heartedly. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, so so when you watch the shopping channel, they're obviously pop. They must make money. I had a friend who worked on it. He said they used to shift thousands of these ghastly globes, which had lattice lazuli and all this other sort of precious. St- it was rubbish. It was absolute rubbish stuff, as it is on bid. You know, some of the garbage they're selling. But just be careful because it's it's how much they're charging for postage on bid. Eight pounds to send something. Be cheaper to sort of strap it to a carrier pigeon and send it off. But eight quid is what they actually uh, do. Uh, Brendan says, Yesterday I was told I was cancer-free. My consultant is a god. He says, You're the first person outside my family with whom I've shared the news. Later I shall tweet it to the world. It's always good, isn't it, to hear cancer-free? It's the kind of thing you need. Want to hear that? doesn't matter what, what time of the day or night you get that kind of news in. That's always uh, that's something to celebrate. I suppose we've all got it, haven't we? We've all got it inside us somewhere, and it triggers it off. I was speaking... Uh, yesterday, poor old Brian, who works at Twickenham Station, suffering the abuse of certain people there. Not me, I hasten to add. And uh, he was quite ill over the weekend because he was in a, in a room. I forget what he said, actually. But somebody had some virus. And the bloke had said to him, I've got this virus. Anyway, Brian obviously picked it up, being particularly susceptible to stuff like that. I think if you're diabetic, you're, you're kind of, your, your immune system's a bit low. 
and you tend to sort of pick things up. So I hated. I remember working with a presenter once who would not work with anybody who had a cold or a cough. If anybody coughed or had a cold, came near him, he said, go away, go away now. He'd have them removed from the programme for the simple reason, and he was absolutely right, that, you know, it, A, it's disgusting for people to turn up to work if they've got some sort of illness and they're coughing and, you know, ugh, disgusting thing. Uh, but if they've, if they've got a cold... It's all right for them, because they can sit there and just sort of push buttons. It's not, not that complicated, as the producer sort of bringing stuff in. But if you're the presenter, if you, if you become ill, you don't work. And if you don't work, you don't earn any money. So he was quite right. He said, I'll tell you what you do. You know, if you want to carry on working here, I'll sue you. He said, you can pay my, my daily wages. Not quite funny about it. I mean, to be honest, I did agree. I did kind of agree with him. I didn't, I didn't ever think he was wrong, because that's the, uh, that's the problem, that if you're a, if you're a freelance person... You know, it's like poor old Kevin doing his milk round picks up, uh, you know, some sort of thing from uh, from a, a customer. He doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't earn any money. Whereas if you're a staff person, that's OK. If you work in a shop, you know, if I go into a shop and there's a person working there serving, and they go, like that, I don't go anywhere near them. Actually, this reminds me, I've, I've got a text the other day from the NHS. I've got to go and have my flu jab, I think, next weekend. Because being in a high-risk category, you get your, your flu jabs for free. But they'll all be offering it, and you do need it. If you've never had a flu jab, you do need a flu jab. People say, oh, you get ill with the flu jab. I've never actually become ill with the flu jab, but I, I do religiously get it, I think. Uh, 84850, steve at Um What do you think about the newly launched Samsung Gear watch? Couldn't care less. Really couldn't care less. I think Sony are bringing one out, aren't they? I think Sony are bringing one out. And uh, everybody else will, it, uh, but uh, it doesn't uh, doesn't interest me in the slightest. I'm afraid. Oh God, he's from that ghastly place, Slough. Oh, come the bombs, rain on Slough immediately, quick as possible. Um, Avril says I'm uh, going to the boyfriend's family today. I'm 57. How old are the boyfriend's family? For God's sake, if you're 57, what are they? 90? Dear me, that's a long time. Many years ago, I was in Belize. Several of us were in a boat that hit a submerged tree and threw us out the boat. Next thing we saw some crocodiles enter the water. I've never swam so fast in my life. Yeah, Belize with the British Army. Don't believe you. Kevin in Edgware says your show is excellent every morning. Yeah, well, you, you sound surprised. That's what we do. It's like going to... A friend of mine went to see uh, Pan Am the other day. I had to pay 14 quid to go and see her in a pub. 14 quid to go and see that old act. But anyway, she's still doing the same old act. She must be about 57 by now. She was doing it years and years ago, but she swears a lot, which is uh, which not so good. Never quite made it big. Never quite made it big, Pan Am. She was on the comedy circuit, and apparently she does a lot of gay cruises now. I suppose that must be lucrative enough for her. Uh, 84850, uk. The, uh, the mail today, the heart attack test, which will save thousands of women. Five pounds, simple test for heart attacks. They've developed this test because uh, up to half of heart attacks in women are currently too difficult to detect. We all go through phases, don't we? I don't know, well, perhaps you might not go through phases, but I go through phases where you get so strange, you know, sort of um, pains in your chest, various places. You get a little pain here, a little pain there. You never know what it is, do you? Because you've got no idea what's going on under the surface. Just every so often. I, I, I can always tell if people are sort of suffering with things. So they put their hand inside their shirt. And sort of just sort of, you know, because you've got to worry about this kind of stuff. You know, you get to a certain age, producer, take notes. You know, you're at that funny age now where, you know, you, I've, I've worked with people before who just dropped dead in front of me. 
Yeah, that's if I concentrate really, really hard. <laughs> yeah, evil eye, evil eye. Uh, there's more in the... Actually, funny thing is, there's a number of stories in the papers today, which we did days ago, like the the one at the Great British Bake Off where Deborah Manjo was accused of baking espionage. She was found guilty of stealing custom from a fellow competitor and using it in her own trifle. I mean, quite clearly, even in the Great British Bake Off, these old frauds turn up on the television. But the other story uh, in the papers is of um, a women's lacrosse team. A women's lacrosse team. Not this, this is Oxford University's elite athletes. They've posed naked for, uh, for a charity calendar. What is it, this urge? People have to take their clothes off and pose for a calendar. Only strategically positioned bats, rackets... Helmets and oars to maintain their modesty. The 70 students leave little to the imagination. It's just shots from the back. Well, to be honest with you, you know, if you want to see wobbly bottoms, here they all are. The wobbly bottom brigade. Uh, Guy Adams has done a whole feature. I mean, to be honest with you, a bigger waste of journalism. You'd be hard pushed to find. On whether or not toast falls butterside down or butterside up. And as you now know, it depends on how far the table is from the floor. If it's five feet... It will land butterside down. If it's eight feet, it can turn completely over and it will be butterside up. It's all to do with the motion of it, of it turning round. And the story that we did the other day has reappeared again in the mail. This was the Think Your Child Would Never Go With a Stranger, a chilling experiment where they had kids in the park. The parents knew and they sent a stranger in there to talk to them. And, uh, and one here, Ben... You know, the man goes up and says, can you help me find my dog? And Ben happily toddles off with him. And his mother said, as we told you the other day, she said, I thought I told him, don't talk to strangers. If you don't know them, don't talk to them. And so they've got uh, one one girl, Paige, 11, convinced at first. Another boy, lured from his, uh, from his mum. And Jack, five, leaving the park with a man. Exactly what we told you the other day. It's an old story, but it, it's still quite frightening for parents. And the answer is, if you go out, it doesn't matter how many times you seem to tell them, don't talk to strangers, don't take street... You know, kids are supposed to know this. But if you seriously think that your kids had never go off with strangers, you, be, you should have read that article the other day, which I'm sure many of you did, because it would make far more sense to you, and you'd, you'd start worrying a little bit more. Hot day yesterday, hot day today. Hot day today, 30 degrees, I'm afraid. Uh, I was left outside Woolworths in my pram, says Noreen. My mum forgot me. Didn't do me any harm. That was 37, uh, <coughs> 41 years ago. So there you go. She said, have you seen the photos of Catherine Zeta-Jones looking so gaunt? Have you seen the, pr- the photos of Claudia Winkleman? She's off a trolley, isn't she? She's never quite there, Claudia Winkleman. I was slightly worried about it, although I loved her on the, the Dancing Extra programme because she was so mad. Mad as a broom. I'm sure her mother is, is Lady Lloyd. It's e- Eve Pollard, Lady Lloyd. Yeah, married to Nick Lloyd. Used to do the breakfast show on LBC. There's always an LBC link there, isn't there, somewhere? And Eve Pollard used to do a show on LBC as well. She was the editor of the uh, Express long, long time ago. And, in fact, she used to sometimes edit the, uh, the show from Barbados. She'd do it on a computer, which I thought was, uh, was very good. So who do we kick out the Big Brother house? They kicked out Sophie Anderton. Thank God for that. There's also pictures in the paper today. A poor old Nancy Delusional... Yes, the uh, the old Italian drag queen was out on the town yet again. Uh, this time, you know, I don't know where you get some of her outfits from. I've, you, you look at it today and you think, aren't you a bit old to be displaying such a scrawny old body? And also, get your hair done. Nothing worse than having fake hair sewn in, which we can all see. So old now, Nancy, and still no more talented, and still no more sign of her one-woman show, which we were promised. 
I was so so looking forward to that in the theatre, just to go and see, you know, because and Nancy she talk about you know celebrity and how you know make a big a big star of myself. No, you're a fraud, dear. We all knew you were a fraud first time round. All you did was link yourself to a few old men like Sven Goran Eriksson and somebody else, and that's that's what your career has been. It's a bit tragic, really, isn't it? But there you go, old woman, old Italian woman. And uh, an oddest outfit today in the paper. I mean, it's it's one of those, you know, it would have looked better, say, on somebody a little bit younger. Maybe not somebody as old as her. 16 minutes to five. We'll come back. We'll have a look at the uh, what the Metro have got to offer today. What are they giving us? Oh, justice for, for Rachel. And also Kate Moss. It's uh, She's posing in front of a, a Chris Levine. She's light laser three. It's £150,000. Uh, it's a piece of art. 150 Who buys this stuff? How do you look at it and you think to yourself, is, is she so egotistical? She really thinks this is worth 150 grand. It just looks like a pile of pants to me. Well, it doesn't. A pile of pants would look completely different. Uh, and the waitress who was spotted by Richard Curtis after serving him pizza and he went, I'm going to make you a star. Sounds like a good old line, doesn't it? But it worked. Quarter to five. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Guildford rings that Sally Jacks looked like she'd been hit with a baseball bat. <laughs> she didn't look that bad. But uh, it's, it's the voice, isn't it? It's the, there's another woman on there who was one of... And every time I keep seeing her, I get really angry because she's so crap at presenting. And it annoys me when I see third-rate presenters. She used to be one of those girls on the television, I think used to turn the cards over for Bruce Forsyth. And now she's doing sort of the fake, oh, this is just... I can't believe we're doing it at this price. Oh, it's so... Oh, I can't believe it. Oh! And you think, oh, dear. You probably get excited buying cornflakes. Uh, Did we find out who ended Noel's house party? We think... We think that Peter Salmon, I think, was looking after it at the time... And the audience had dropped off and they decide now why they decided at 24 hours notice. I've got no idea. I think some 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 argument must have occurred that we don't know about and we're not we're not privy to. And so I think what had happened was with Noel's house party, the audience had been big. And then gradually, as more and more programs come online, things get diluted because we spent a lot of time yesterday trying to work out who had made the final decision. And I don't think we'll ever find out who made the final decision unless it was Noel who said, I don't want it transmitted and so things changed after i'd love to talk to noel about it and find out exactly what it was because I, I i still maintain as i did yesterday that it was it was one of the best light ent programs on the television it was good saturday night it's like ant and deck seemed to be made for saturday night but for god's sake don't change it don't bring in silly game shows like red or black which was ghastly or anything else you know just leave them doing what they do which is with a a few third-rate celebrities you know, and that's what and Noel Edmonds did it. But it was it was done so well. It was done so well. The whole thing just sort of fitted together. The, you know, the games people could play to win money. You know, the people who would be sitting there at home and he'd go, let's go to... And he'd click the fingers and he'd go, hello, Sam. And Sam would be sitting in front of his little television, you know, in his pants with a bucket of popcorn. You know, go, I can't believe it on the television. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. No, no. I didn't know. Film career outside, of course, was a bit of a giveaway. But... It was all it was all good fun television. So we think it was it was Peter Salmon, who I'm not sure whether or not he liked Noel Edmonds. It doesn't matter whether he liked Noel Edmonds or not. The the programme got canned and that was the last we ever saw of it. Which was a shame really, because I think the format's brilliant. But don't give it to anybody else. You could unless Noel owns the format, you could only ever give it to Noel Edmonds. It's his programme. It's like when they remade Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. It doesn't work. 
It doesn't work. It's got to be with the original people. It's as simple as that. Uh, Oliver says, my sister's the manager of Tony and Guy. I didn't realise she charged that much. I get mine done at home for free. Well, that's because you're tight, that's why. But that's, that's what they charge. That's, that's for men. For women, it must be, uh, must be a lot more expensive. But I, I think women actually don't mind paying for, for something like that. I don't, I don't think women mind paying £100. I think women are quite, quite used to paying £100, aren't they? Ellis Ward was on You Bet with Matthew Kelly back in the day. Who's Ellis Ward? Ellis, put up Ellis Ward. Let's have a look at a picture of Ellis Ward. E-double-L-I-A. I don't know whether it's, the, whether it's the same one. I don't know, as I'm talking about. There's a lovely picture in one of the papers today. And, uh, oh, that's, that's, that's her there. That's her on the left-hand side. I think that's... Oh, wait, it might not be. Does it say that she have a, a profile? They at the Jewellery Channel welcomes Ellis Ward. She's costly. She's so fake on it. It really, it's cringe. It's real cringe stuff. They say, however, the last time she's been one of the UK's most recognisable faces. As the longest standing presenter for Ideal World. Ellis was a passion for fat. Well, what did she do? She uh, was in 42nd Street. All oh, right. And uh, moved to television. That's right. She did You Bet. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, she did, is that the same one? Can't now remember if it's the same one. It's a bit difficult to remember. But anyway, she's moved on to the jewellery channel, so it might be. Ghastly. Absolutely awful. Dreadful. <laughs> Sorry. You know, you get people on the television. You, know, you get good presenters. You get bad presenters. You get presenters that you think, oh, I find you entertaining. And then you get presenters like, like poor old Sally Jacks, who's, you know, well past her sell-by. And it's got this, it's the voice. You know, she sounds like a navvy. There's nothing feminine or sexy about her at all. You could stick her in a boiler suit and it wouldn't make the slightest difference. She'd still just look a bit naff, I'm afraid. But the picture in the paper today, which will make you smile, because it was so hot yesterday, even squirrels need a drink. And there's a squirrel. (coughs) And I don't know how they've managed to get this picture. He was in Valentine's Park in East London. Now, I know Valentine's Park very well. It's over Ilford Way. And he's found, he's found one of those little sachets of drink, Capri Sun, with a straw in it. And, the, and he's sucking the drink up through the straw. It's the funniest picture ever. It's so cute. You look at him, you think, oh, bless his heart. Do you think orange squash kind of drink? I've never had Capri Sun. But do you think it's an orange squash type drink, I'm assuming. It's just you stick it in the fridge and it's ice cold and that's it. It's so funny. You look at it and you think, squirrels and modern day things, you know, a straw. Who'd have ever thought? Who would ever have thought? Uh, 84850, uk. Paul is now, uh, he says, that was a lovely night when I came to see you all those times at the old studios at Bramley Road. The good old drive from Didcot. Nice to see George and Louis for the second time that night you interviewed him. Also nice to see Warren when he popped into on another time I drove down to see you. Happy days. Yeah, happy days. Happy days indeed. Everything was sort of... Uh, Happy days, wasn't it? You know, I've started saying that a lot. You know, you say to somebody, oh, I remember going out in London when I was 15, 16 and didn't have any money. And I'm sure we had a better time because everything is now so expensive. You know, we talked at the beginning of the programme, £63 for a haircut. And people go, oh, right, £63. As if it was quite normal. £63 for a haircut. I mean, it just, it just, you know. (laughs) We had a police officer come to our Beaver Scout meeting, six to eight-year-olds to talk about stranger danger. In the end, he asked any question. Up went Kelly's hand. What's a stranger? It's, it's probably that bad, actually. You, sort of, you can laugh about it, can't you? But it's actually quite quite serious. Kids will wander off with people. You know, they, they, that's just the way it works, I'm afraid. It's, uh, it's not so good, and it's, uh, it's the kind of... 
kind of thing, even if you drum it into your kids, sometimes they just don't take any notice at all. Jackie from Paddock Wood said, have you tried freezing your favourite juices into ice cubes and adding them into the glass of juice? It chills the drink, lovely, on a hot day. So I'm sending my regards from the exotic Maldives. Oh dear. 30 degrees you're going to get today here. 30 degrees we're going to have today. I think that's what they've said. Let me just check properly. 0430. Uh, they are high today, 29 degrees, 58 at 30, 88 degrees. Oh, dear, I'm definitely staying in. Currently 18 degrees. It's not, it's not brilliant, is it? It's not the, not the best weather, but at least we've got Call Clegg. So for that, I mean, I mean, you can't blame him for the weather, poor soul. You can blame him for probably lots of other things, but he will be with Nick Ferrari this morning at nine. And, uh, they're also going to be talking about the, I love that idea. There is a breast cancer charity called Copperfield. Copperfield, because you're supposed to check for men. You're supposed to check for testicular cancer. It's the biggest, biggest killer of men, I think, prostate and testicular cancer. For women, breast cancer. But there was a woman here who they're going to be talking to with Nick Ferrari this morning, who had to wait eight months before she was finally diagnosed with breast cancer after two GPs failed to listen to her concerns. She was diagnosed at the age of twenty-three. Twenty-three. Small wonder people start panicking about about that kind of stuff. I mean, most most people don't know what they're looking for, do they? When they say, can you check yourself? Men are supposed to check themselves in the shower. But I, I reckon half men don't know what they're looking for. I've, I've not the faintest idea. And that's what you're supposed to do. And uh, I suppose it depends whether you've got a good relationship with your with your doctors. You know, you're supposed to go in there if you've got concerns. And if not, you can always get a get a referral, can't you? Uh, Ed Miliband's leadership plunged into crisis as bitter unions began axing Labour funding. Oh, dear. And uh, Leanne Payne has been hailed a hero. Whee! Leanne Payne, a hero. As uh, a blast, a blaze, ripped through the One Direction-style luxury flat. Apparently it was in Canary Wharf. He was in the kitchen of his penta... Oh, in the kitchen. How common, honestly. A superstar in the kitchen. But there you go. And uh, the blaze destroyed 80% of his balcony. Took 35 firefighters to put it out. Not exactly the very biggest uh, balcony of all. But anyway, his, uh, this, uh, this uh, best friend, Andy, who, who, to be honest with you, sort of looks a little bit too old to be a friend of uh, a young man like that, uh, was engulfed in flames with this patio heater he was filling up, exploded. Filling up a patio heater? I thought they were electric. I had no idea. I, mean, I suppose some of them are gas, aren't they? But you don't fill them up, do you? You just buy a gas cylinder. You click the gas cylinder on, unless it's, perhaps it's like a Bunsen burner kind of situation. I don't, I don't know. Whatever it is, he's got to... You know, to be honest with you, if you can't sit on a balcony without having a patio heater, there must be something the matter with you. You know, it doesn't get that cold. If it's that cold, go and sit inside with the door open. No idea why, actually. It, it seems an odd thing. But anyway, he's been hailed a hero. So that's the, uh, that's the front page. One Direction's Liam saved my boy's life in fire terror. Whatever happened to that? Actually, looking at the picture of that, reminded me of a guy who was on... Big Brother, some years ago, and he spent all his time... He obviously thought he was really it. I can't remember his name now. He's, he's so instantly forgettable. He was... Uh, his father was in the, the rag trade, I believe. I think he was a Jewish boy. And uh, it looked great, but he spent all his time in bed. He didn't actually do anything. And I think he managed to cop off with one of the girls in there. And uh, But he he was so... He so sort of loved himself. It didn't didn't quite work. He was just a little bit lazy, I'm afraid. Uh, Coronation Street's Hayley Cropper will commit suicide after being diagnosed with terminal cancer. The ITV soap will explore the right-to-die issue as she makes the heartbreaking decision to end her life. 
So uh, next month, Haley, played by Julie, will break the news to Roy, who cannot back her. Millions will see her try to convince her husband she should be able to choose how and when she dies. The producer says the uh, palliative care Haley receives is superb, but she's scared that pain relief can cause confusion. So, um, so she will leave in January after 15 years in her role. How how she leaves, I've got no idea. Whether or not she you see her going off to dignitas. I don't know. But she will make that decision. She comes to the decision. She wants to die in peace and most of all to die as Haley, the identity she has spent her life fighting to be. Because if you remember, she's a sex change. But it was so funny because I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he works with, um, <clears throat> with, with a couple of sex changes. And he said, having watched Big Brother with Lauren Harris, he said he can understand these people, they, they've, there's so many issues that come with them. There are so, it's never straightforward Never st- straightforward. They're petrol heaters, apparently. I would have thought that was highly dangerous. Petrol heaters. God, I mean, have, you know, an electric heater is so much better. Having a petrol heater. I mean, even gas I'd be slightly worried about in a, in a confined space like a balcony. Petrol heaters. You must be, must be absolutely barking mad. We used to have paraffin heaters years ago. My parents didn't have any central heating. Uh, in fact, actually, in, in, a, in a flat we had in Southampton, which is a bit strange... Um, because a friend of mine now lives in it, even more bizarre, and they had a paraffin heater. You would, you'd go and the, the SO man used to come round and you'd go and fill up your little cans and then pour it into uh, the thing and have a, have a paraffin heater on. Failing that, you just froze to death. Or as my mother used to say in the early days, if you're cold, put a jumper on. If you're hot, take it off. Good news that uh, Ariel Castro hanged himself in his cell. That was a relief for the uh, American government. He'd been sentenced to, what, a thousand years, I think thousand plus years and uh, and he hanged himself so great news there in fact many many people do don't they it's it's how it happened uh, all the time harold shipman hanged himself in his cell fred west uh, was found uh, hanged while awaiting trial uh, roderick mcdonald the bisexual ex-soldier hanged himself at brixton prison and richard chase the american schizophrenic who killed six people he took an overdose of antidepressants I suppose it, you know, let's face it, this man wasn't even on suicide watch. Wasn't even on He was apparently checked every 20 minutes, but he still managed to hang himself. So that saved them the cost of looking after him, I suppose. News is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Three minutes past five. It's nice to have your company. To have your company nice, as they say. Uh, well done to the uh, the waitress, Rebecca Chu. She was working in a restaurant last summer serving pizza. And who did she serve? None other than Richard Curtis. And he offered her a job in a film. And she took it, which is great. So she, she fitted the bill. She was so sweet, he said, when she was giving pizzas to the kids that we cast her in the film. And she came up and acted a crucial part of a waitress in Pret-a-Manger. Oh, nice. Unusual, of course, because you don't really find any English people working in Pret-a-Manger at all. She was on holiday in Mallorca when she heard about the big screen break. She said there were quite a few takes, but I don't think I did anything wrong. It was a massive surprise and very nerve-wracking. So there you go. And he goes to prove you'll be working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. And then the next thing, you can be up on the uh, on the big screen. Uh, four historic jails are going to be closing uh, to make way for two super prisons. This is Reading. Dorchester, North Allerton and Blunderston. 700 jobs will go. And also, the other 
The other place, I think, which will be uh, replaced will be Feltham. So I don't know what... I mean, what happens when they close a prison down like that? I don't know what exactly... You know, what, what happens to all the staff? Do you then work in the new one? If they're going to close Feltham down, which is uh, a young offenders institute in Feltham, quite coincidentally, I just don't know what's going to happen to the people. There's going to be these this super jail, £250 million. They're going to replace... I think Feltham, with a a large new adult prison and a new youth facility on adjoining sites in West London. Oh, God, just what we need, isn't it, really? I don't even know where Feltham is. Well, I know where Feltham is, but I don't think I've ever found the Young Offenders Institute at all. So that will be replaced. But then what happens while they're... Are they going to build the new one and then transfer people across? Or do they just close it down? Because where do these people go in the meantime? What happens if you're working there? We know people who work at Feltham. What's going to happen there? I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. The Feltham site in West London is a very large one. They say it's uh, an obvious option for a major new project to help meet the challenges that we face in London and the South East. In other words, we've still got loads of crooks out there. That's all they're bringing it down to, is the fact that we've got huge crime, and the more people come into the country, the more, the more crime seems to arrive. 700 people could lose their jobs. It's not exactly the most brilliant news that people have ever heard, is it, really? I remember reading it yesterday, thinking, I must check on exactly what what people are supposed to be doing. Because otherwise, it, you're, you're just left high and dry. 84850, uh, Other stories in the papers today. Oh, I, I like the story about Simon Cowell. He said, he's a bit like Paul, Paul McCartney. He doesn't hand his money out willy-nilly. He's not going to leave it to any son of his. He reckons he's going to leave it to charity. He said, uh, I'm going to leave my money to somebody, a charity, probably kids and dogs. I don't believe in passing on from one generation to another. Well, now he has a child on the way. I'm sure he would be making suitable provision for that, uh, that child to actually not have to necessarily make his way in the world, but to actually have some sort of legacy. Um, but it's up to him what he does with it, isn't it? You know, he, I mean, some people leave all their money to museums and they set up a wing in their honour, and, and they do things like that. So your name is there forever. Otherwise, you know, Simon Cowell's name could just disappear. You know, you, you might just never hear of him again. But uh, I suspect we will. Uh, the picture in uh, Clemmy Moody's column today is of Nancy Delusional uh, wearing another another really dreadful outfit, I'm afraid. This woman has got no idea what to wear at all. And uh, apparently she was faced with the ultimate middle-class dilemma, running out of Shabley. Apparently she's only 52. She looks so much older than 52, do you not think? Anyway, she made contingency plans. She marched over to the organisers, and within seconds, two magnums of champagne landed on her table. Why do you pander to this old woman? And why do we pander to her? I've got no idea. I've never quite understood the, uh, the Nancy delusional uh, sort of interest. She's not particularly interesting. She's never got anything to say. And... Uh, so the rest is history. Another inappropriate outfit where, you know, her saggy old bottom and uh, boobs are on display. And that apparently makes the papers now. She probably thinks it's brilliant. The one thing I don't think is brilliant, I'm quite, when I water my hanging baskets, we are surrounded by bees. Um, because obviously quite a lot of bees in our area. And they've, they've issued a warning, not around our area, but generally, to people who eat honey. Check where your honey comes from. If it's additive, you know, if, if they've added to the honey, cheap European honey, then you don't touch it with a barge pole. Only touch honey, you know where it's come from. So if you go to a local beekeeper, you know, they will have their own honey. And at the moment, there are big problems. Be very afraid, especially if you've got bees, because there is a deadly breed of hornet 
threatening the bees now in the hives. Swarms of the invading Asian species are said to be winging their way across the Channel after accidentally being imported to southern France in a consignment of pottery from China. They're more predatory, smaller than the UK's native hornet. It's feared they could decimate the nation's honeybee population. Well, we had that before, didn't we, where bees go into the hives, the super bees, and they kill all these other bees, and then, you know, people are getting... Because you can set up your own hive quite cheaply. About 100, 150 pounds will give you the nucleus of a hive, and then you've got to buy the hive, and then you've got to buy your protective clothing, you've got to buy the little smoke gun, you've got to buy all that kind of stuff. That's, that's the sort of thing that you want. Uh, boom, 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 S.O. Blue. Brian at Twickenham Station gives us this morning. Yes, I mean, that was so dangerous. I mean, a petrol heater on a balcony. Have you heard of such a thing, Brian? Have you heard of such a thing? I mean, it just sounds highly dangerous. Actually, apart from, from Brian at Twickenham, it's, it's almost like a who's who. You know, we see people in the sandwich shop on the way down. You know, it is like last of the summer wine in there, it has to be said, as we walk past in Twickenham. And uh, sometimes we have a quick look round uh, Waitrose. A very slow service in the tills. They, they look as though they're half asleep, the staff in there. They probably are, actually. And they go round to the fish shop, and they're always sort of very busy. Stuart's basket's looking a little bit limp of late, but he did, did go away on holiday. I can't remember where he went to, somewhere interesting. Peter's going off to Ibiza to a wedding, which is quite exciting. I love people who get married abroad, but then, of course, you've all got to pick up the, the bill for yourself, haven't you? Sort of going back and sort of staying in a hotel, but that's nice. He's flying, he's flying out, actually, with a, a friend of mine going on Ryanair, and he doesn't know anything about Ryanair. I said, well, you'll probably be sitting with the rear gunner, won't you, I should imagine. There's an outside toilet, and I don't think you sort of get an in-flight film. I think the stewardess will flick through a book of her on the beach, and that'll be about the the best that you're going to get, I'm afraid. But I don't know, I've never flown budget airlines. Only once, and I can't remember which one it was, where we flew out to Loosto. Certainly didn't fly schedule, that's a fact. But I I, I quite like it. Um, I quite like the idea of flying, actually. I just wish that you didn't have to travel too far to it. Sometimes it takes you as long to go to the airport, park up, and then get to the check-in desks, as it does actually to uh, to go on the blooming thing, because uh, I think it's it's only a short it's only a short flight to Ibiza. I think it's something like two and a half hours. But then I went into Iceland yesterday. Which I bought some some Uncle Ben's rice. <laughs> You'll laugh, but I quite like Uncle Ben's rice. And did I have any yesterday? Did I have Uncle Ben's rice? I can't remember if I had any Uncle Ben's rice yesterday. Did I have Uncle Ben's rice? I know that they had the big tins of beans, much much reduced. You know, the big fridge ones, only a pound, normally two pounds. So I bought a couple of those because I thought that was fairly good value. And, and I bought some rice, and for the life of me, I can't remember if I actually had it now. Did I have rice? No, I had fish fingers. I had fish fingers yesterday. That was quite nice. But anyway, so I was, I was in there, and Beatrice, who works on the till, says, we always have customers coming into Iceland saying, you've been mentioned on the radio. Because we always mention Eric, and uh, and there's Rani as well, who's in there, and Beatrice, and she said, you'd, and there's a website, she said, there's a website for Iceland that people can go to, I'm assuming it's iceland.co.uk, and uh, she said, because you always mention us on the radio, and I thought, well, you have to, You're about the most friendly people on tills that you've ever encountered, it's, that, it's, them, it's a toss-up between them and the girls in Marks and Spencer's. You know, some of the girls in Marks and Spencer, some of the men in Marks and Spencer are quite good, some of the men are not very good at all. And some people just look depressed all the time. Because <laughs> I like I like it if people smile at you. I don't want them to smile inanely at you. I don't want that kind of stuff going on, because that, that, sort of, that sort of freaks me out a little bit. But uh, we do like good service in shops. We definitely like good service in shops. And sometimes it's not always there, is it? It's not always there. Um... A James Bond... Oh, he's died. Oh, dear. A James Bond stunt double, Ufulu Wellington Bombers, has died at the age of 97. This is Ken Wallace. 
And um, he was the man who flew the auto gyros. Do you remember? They, they actually did a documentary about Ken Wallace. He was Sean Connery's double, piloting this auto gyro in You Only Live Twice. He set 34 world records, and he used to make these things at home. And all it was was a little frame with a giant propeller at the back of it. And I mean, I mean, they looked blooming dangerous, but he flew them. He lived near, um, I think it's Dereham in Norfolk. He got an MBE for his contribute, uh, contributions to aerospace. His daughter said he had a long and successful life. He blooming well did. 97, but I remember him flying the auto gyros. So he's, uh, he's, uh, he's passed on, I'm afraid. Oh, there's a naughty pub landlord here. Naughty pub landlord. This is a, a, a pub landlord who was working at the Hare and Hounds. Uh, this is in um, Yorkshire, I think. Anyway, um, they, they saved up some money so that people could go for an away day. £16,500 was saved up by this pub. That's quite a lot. Anyway, the landlord, 70 supporters, had given Lee Mills up to 240 quid each to charter a flight to see their side play in a League Two match. The pub firm Punch Taverns stepped in with Rotherham United to pay for coaches to take the Yorkshire Club fans to the Plymouth game. And uh, then a message later appeared online from Mills saying he was ashamed. He ran the Hare and Hounds pub. He was jailed for a year for fraud and theft. Very silly. I mean, to be honest with you, for £16,500, you throw up your career and you throw everything away for sixteen and a half grand. He must be even more stupid than you imagine. You know, you can understand if somebody says for two million or three million or, you know, a million pounds. Not for sixteen and a half thousand pounds. I mean that's just stupid. That's you know, that's an ignorant person. Uh eight for eight five oh Jack says we'd all forget about Nancy Delusion if you didn't give us so much free publicity. I know. Secretly fancy a ratchet jack. <laughs> that's why I like it. Everybody does. Everybody fancies her. She's so attractive. I mean really, I mean around this office, I mean she's practically a pin up. Practically a pin-up. You know, people, picture, every, I've got a picture of my wallet of her. She's hot. She's hot. She's one of those babes that you go, wow, you're really, really hot. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Brian Reed talking about uh, Vinnie Jones, a pathetic waste of space and a specimen of, of nothing at all. I'm almost embarrassed to say that he's British, but he is, I'm afraid. And uh, the reason he was in the papers, of course... Uh, it's, it's because he was saying that Britain isn't Britain anymore. It's all the migrants, you know, all the people arriving here, and he thinks it's taken away from the country what it was uh, supposed to have had. Except totally missing, because he's a bit thick, the fact that he went to America to make a better life for himself, as we pointed out the other day and the day before. And yet he criticises people who want to come to this country, not all of them, but a lot of them, to make a better life for themselves. You don't go to another country to make life worse, do you? You go there to make yourself better. And there was no work for Vinnie Jones here at all. He um, he has to go to America. So he's done exactly the same as all the people who come to this country. It's no different at all, I'm afraid. No different. So Brian Reed talks about that. Also talks about Sharon Osbourne with this very peculiar look she's got now. I'm assuming she's had a... Fa- she calls it maintenance. You know, when you have your, your face done and things like that, it's maintenance. And so, it's <laughs> big question of the week, he says, if every smacked bum had taken out a copyright on its look, would they now be able to sue Sharon Osbourne's face? I mean, that's a bit harsh, isn't it, really? I mean, she doesn't look that bad. And she's quite funny. She's up the figures for the programme, and that can only be good news. Live 20, Nick Ferrari this morning. It's another edition, unmissable. Of call, Clegg. Can't wait to hear the calls for today. It's be very interesting. And, of course, you can see it on the LBC page as well. We have cameras in the studio, and they will show it only in this side of the studio. We have to, we have to see if you notice the, 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 the new addition to the studio. 
when you see it today, call Clegg. Contact me tomorrow and let me know if you notice the new addition in the studio. Okay. Producers now want to listen. Blind is about. You'll never notice anything. There's no point in you sort of thinking you can see anything. But there's something new. Okay. You don't. You don't see it, do you? Okay. Doesn't matter. I'm sure people more observant than you will be noticing it and uh, letting us know tomorrow. Uh, He'll be giving his thoughts on the G20 summit in St. Petersburg. And he'll be taking your calls. Plus, Nick will be asking, what question would you ask Barack Obama? God, there was a list a mile long of what you'd want to ask Barack Obama. Just everything. Just everything. (laughs) And why does London offer the worst cancer support in the UK? Nick Ferrari and the team. And looking at the papers this morning, it's Professor... Jonathan Shallot. He will be up now, I promise you. He will be up doing his workout or failing that, sitting there thinking, I'll just have another cup of tea. That'd be quite a nice thing. Uh, he's live in the studio to look through the papers for today. And in fact, the, uh, the papers are full of all sorts of things, including Ed Miliband's leadership plunged into crisis as the bitter unions have begun axing Labour funding. GMB have slashed their support by 1.5 million and were fears Unite could follow as well, and if the 13 other unions who back Labour do the same, it would lose £9 million a year and sail close to bankruptcy. Interesting. And do you remember that story that I brought you some time ago? The most horrendous story of the little boy whose eyes were gouged out because there is money in, in taking uh, bodily parts from people. This was in China. They now believe his eyes were gouged out by his own aunt, who apparently then later killed herself. Detectives investigating the incident uh, says they think the attacker was his aunt who apparently killed herself six days later. Uh, Police said uh, Zhang Huing died after jumping down a well in the courtyard of her home last Friday. They claim her DNA was found at the scene of her nephew's attack and his blood was on her clothing. Dreadful story, isn't it? I mean, absolutely dreadful. Uh, This boy is is blinded, little six-year-old was blinded, but he may be given artificial eyeballs. I'm amazed that they cannot restore his sight. I'm just, I mean, it just, it's the most horrendous thing I've ever heard of. I can't, you know, poor little soul, honestly. How he never died, I suppose you would find absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Other stories here. There's um, a medal awarded to a dog for urinating on an incendiary bomb uh, to extinguish it in the Blitz was found during a house clearance. Great Dane Juliana took action when the device fell through the roof of her owner's house in 1941. In 1944, she got a second Blue Cross medal for alerting customers to a fire in her master's shop. I like stories like that. It reaffirms my faith in the fact that dogs are way more intelligent than we ever give them credit for. And uh, the big one that, that didn't get away, it's the, uh, it's the huge alligator. You've never seen... I mean, you look at the size of this thing. It is, it's the size of these three people. They've, they've, they've got it on a huge hoist to lift it up it weighs 52 stone and it's 13 feet long try and imagine 13 feet long and 52 stone worth of something like this coming towards you i mean dear lord above it's absolutely enormous absolutely enormous uh, a machete wielding robber whose bank raid attempt was foiled when he was tackled by an ex-cage fighter and bouncer in the queue got 30 months jail james rashbrook 32 pulled a blade from a carrier bag and brandished it at terrified Lloyds Bank staff and customers. But Steve Harris, a rugby-playing ex-kickboxer, used his skills to tackle Rashbrook to the ground, and ex-doorman Darren Frost helped pin him down until the police arrived. After the raid, the branch in Taunton 
Darren said people were screaming. It was sheer panic. And at Taunton Crown Court, homeless Rashbrook admitted the attempted robbery and to possessing a bladed article. A bladed article being a knife. But uh, I like it when, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it all the time for people to actually have a go because there is that danger that it might backfire on you. But we've seen a couple, haven't we, recently of people who've done it. We brought you the story the other day on LBC of the people who are robbing that jewellery shop. And uh, the manager has pushed the button, which effectively locked the front door. And then the people outside saw what was going on, took the keys off the bike and knocked it to the ground. And the robbers got caught running like girls to a, to a car park. Didn't work for them, did it, at all, because they both got caught and both got sent to prison, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, 84850, uh Some more of your texts and emails. Uh, try, uh, no matter what you enjoy, Sainsbury's Taste the Difference Fish Fingers. Oh, yes, not too sure about that. Not too sure about that. <laughs> I, I did have fish fingers yesterday. I, I don't want to eat fish fingers every day. I decided they were OK. I don't tell you how many I ate. I was even horrified myself. I got into trouble the other day. I told you, a fellow presenter in the building, we went up to the canteen, as we, as we do on the mornings I've got an interview to do, and I go up there, and they do sausages and bacon, and I just had two little pieces of toast and three sausages. He wrote to me later. He said, I cannot believe that you had three sausages. I mean, is that excessive, three? Is it really? Oh, right. I didn't quite see that. Just three sausages in, in a box, in a polystyrene box. And he was, so, he was shocked. He was so shocked that I'd actually eaten three. And I thought, well, how many sausages would you expect to eat? One. It's a bit silly, isn't it? So yesterday I had eight fish fingers. Actually, I think I had nine. But they're only little. They're only little in one go, yeah. Is that, is that really bad? <laughs> but they're only little. Oh, well, perhaps, perhaps, I'm, perhaps I need to take a look, a close look at what I'm eating, actually. It's a bit, you think that's a lot, do you? Even I thought it was quite a lot, actually, but it filled up the tray quite nicely. And I, and I did eat them as if they were a snack. But then for somebody who can eat three, three sausages, I mean, I don't actually see why it's a problem. Eating, uh, eating anything like that. Uk. Weave everything in. Every time I look at a picture of this, this alligator, I think to myself, and this thing's under the water. This thing, I mean, could eat whole cows. It's so enormous. Living with her parents in a small town with few job opportunities. Mairead McMahon faced life working in a fast food joint. Desperate to see more of the world, she applied in secret to be a games maker for the 2012 Olympics. Her parents were against it, but uh, Mairead's games experience proved to be the key to her dreams. She's now landed jobs working at Manchester United and Disney World in Florida. And so she's saying, you know, listen, you can do it as well. You can do it. You could sit in there going, there aren't any jobs. There are, if you put your mind to it. You know, a bit of get up and go. And so she's, uh, she's worked with Disney. I volunteered to help, she said, and I got three jobs that I'd always dreamt of. And uh, dancing his way through the pages of the papers today. In fact, there's, there's two. There is um, Lost London with Len Goodman, which is a, a book which is out now. So anything to do with London and the history of it is always well worth getting as far as I'm concerned. And a man who's had cancer, he said, could have died, but I never really thought I would. There are too many things I still want to do. He's still on song at 81. Lionel Blair, ladies and gentlemen, is in the paper today. I think he's, um, he's at the Floral Pavilion in Stand Up the Musical. I mean, he does seem to have boundless energy. He's 81, but he's one of those ageless people on television where you look at him and you think, I wouldn't, you know, he, I mean, perhaps he has moments where he's very tired. I don't know. He never, he never seemed to see it. 
And he's still going at 81. There's something about show business which keeps people permanently young. So glad I'm in it. 8485, well, sort of, on the periphery. It's not like kind of actually being in show business, is it really? I suppose it is in a way. It's entertaining for me. You know, the producer as well. Uh, still to come, the uh, the dull black spots, the pain in the brum. Where are the where are the black spots in this country? Birmingham has broken into Britain's top five jobless black spots for the first time since records began. We'll go through the uh, other places as well. Anything around London? No. And also the top ten UK areas with the lowest workless households. Details coming up very shortly. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, and the time now is 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 29 minutes to 6. Thursday morning in London town. Kevin the Milkman says, I must be in trouble then too. I had five sausages plus a generous quantity of hash browns for dinner last night. I thought, I mean, I, I can't believe I was picked on for that. Perhaps it's a lot. I've got a boss, though, who counts calories. I've never had a boss who counted calories. Mind you, no, nobody's ever... Actually, most of my bosses over the years, I thought, they've all been fairly thin. I'm not saying this one's fat in any way, shape or form. But he does count calories. In fact, if you, if you actually offer him, he looks at the calories on the side of it, which always, always freaks me out a little bit. He said, Steve, do you know how much that is? Talks like that. Steve, do you know how much that is? He's from North China. And, um, and, it's, and it's got sort of calories. I say, I never look at the calories on the side of these things. I just think, am I hungry? Should I need to eat? And the answer is yes. But three sausages, I really didn't think that was excessive. But my friend Toby thinks it is, I'm afraid. So, Kevin, you're really in trouble with five sausages. And the DVD we talked about, uh, Steve, on Wednesday was Another Hat for Lisa. Another Hat for Lisa. It's a film with Eunice Stubbs. And a lot of dancers filmed in and around London about uh, an Italian film star. It's a bit of a pin-up. Joe Brown stars in it as well. In fact, he's the, the male lead. And uh, his girlfriend is Eunice Stubbs, but he's really in love with this Italian actress uh, who wants to come over here and collect hats. She has to collect a busby uh, or a bearskin. She has to collect a policeman's helmet and something else as well. And you see that the unusual thing about this film is that Sid James, who, you know, starred in all the carry-ons sings and dances in this film. I mean, I promise you, it was the funniest thing ever. He's, he's, he's not the most brilliant dancer, but, he, but he's dancing in this film. You know, doing his little dance. They've done it on the River Thames. You can see all the people on the bank, obviously knowing that they're filming because they must see the cameras and the lights. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So Sid James sings and dances. Actually, not, not badly, to be honest with you. Not badly at all. Uh, weather, in case you've just woken up, I'll, I might as well tell you, it's going to be hot. There's going to be rain overnight tonight. That's what's going to go into Friday. And the maximum today, 28 degrees, 28, 29, something like that. They've said it, it might, might hint at 30. In other words, it's going to be what they say is a scorcher. I can't believe it as we head into October. Heading into October and we've still got weather like this. Does that mean it's going to be a really bad winter this year? Perhaps we should look to the long-range weather forecast and try and find out whether or not we've got ice and snow on the way. Which actually doesn't bother me. I don't, I'd rather it was cold than hot. I'm happier with, with cold. Anyway, Birmingham, as I mentioned before the news, has broken into Britain's top five jobless black spots. 27.4% of households have uh, no one in work. The West Midlands, City, trailed Glasgow, Liverpool and Hull... 
that was ahead of Wolverhampton. It's all those places, isn't it, you think of? Kingston-upon-Hull, 27.6% unemployed. East Ayrshire, North Ayrshire, 26.9%. Wolverhampton, 27.3%. Swansea, 25.9%. Central Valleys, 26.2%. The Valleys. Nottingham, 26.4%. Liverpool, 28.7%. Glasgow, 30.2% unemployment. Birmingham, 27.4%. And the top 10 areas with the lowest workless households, you've got Hampshire, 10.6%. North Hants, 11.2%. Buckinghamshire, West Sussex, Surrey, Leicestershire, Berkshire. Berkshire, it's 11.9%. And at the very uh, very bottom of the list, Aberdeenshire, 12.65%. So that's what it is around the country at the moment. Uh, more on uh, the British game, the biggest in history. I never got into gaming. I was listening to Ollie Mann talking overnight about gaming, and frankly, it left me cold because I never ever got into gaming. I never did computer games. I think I, the only thing I might have done would be um, what's the Pac-Man, where the little thing chases you around like that. That was the only thing I had to get. And I did Tetris, I think, which was building blocks, but I never quite understood how that one worked anyway. So that's that's it. But Ollie Mann seemed to quite clearly know a lot about gaming. And so I've heard of Grand Theft Auto. I think there's 125 million copies of this have sold around the world. So obviously I'm out on a limb, I'm afraid. Uh, 16 years the series has been running. 97% is the average review score of Grand Theft Auto 4. But I, I, don't, I don't really know what it is. I just know it's a computer game, but it doesn't, doesn't mean anything at all to me. I've, I don't do computer games. Uh, 84850, uh Another one here. We weave everything in on the programme. Uh, 84850. Uh, what's the news that British Parliament uh, sought porno sites 300,000 times last year? Uh, well, it was 300,000 times. They think that was spam, though. They think it was spam coming back. It wasn't actively people seeking porno sites in Parliament. Uh, another one here from uh, Andrew. He says, three sausages, it's a snack. He says, as for fish fingers, you can eat them by the box. Always on the lookout for the buy one, get one free offers. Well, in this one, it was uh, 12 fish fingers, but you got three extra free. So you got 15 fish fingers. And to be honest with you, I only I ate, I think, either eight or nine of them. I threw the rest of the box away. I felt so so guilty about it. But the trouble is, it's no good feeling guilty after, is it? You should really feel guilty before. And, uh, and that's why it's, uh, it's <laughs> I felt a bit bad. But I thought the sausages was quite normal. I thought for, for breakfast, if people are having a fry-up, they're not huge sausages. They're not sort of absolutely enormous things. I thought they were just normal sausages. But three of them, people look at you like you're mad now. Which is, uh, which is a bit of a shame, because I, I thought it was quite, uh, quite OK. Cara Delevingne out on the town again. How dull, what a bore this woman is. In the papers every single day. And the, uh, the Muslim sex change squaddy. Apparently now wants to adopt children. How oh, that's going to work? I've got no idea. Says, I want a baby. This is the ex-Territorial Army Private Lucy Valander, who revealed her hubby also wants children. Apparently, the son yesterday told how Lucy, who used to be a booze and club-loving man called Lawrence, had a sex change-op after serving with the TA's Royal Gloucestershire, Berkshire and Wiltshire Regiment. Following her conversion to Islam, she met London student Murad online and they wed in April. Lucy admitted she will not explicitly, she's not explicitly told Murad I'm a, tra- a transsexual, but I know he knows. Are you sure? Are you quite sure? So, in other words, 
She's actually got married to this bloke, and she hasn't actually said, by the way, I'm a sex change. She said, but I'm sure he knows. I wouldn't guarantee it. You met him online. And uh, she's she's a martial arts fan who's taken part in ninjutsu. And she's been banned from a local mosque in Swindon, claiming elders ruled she should pray with the men. I don't know what Islam's ruling on sex changes is. I really don't know. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure if this whole story is a joke or something. Is it, is it made up or is it, or is it serious? Because I'm assuming that next they'll be inviting this, this person onto television and radio shows to talk about... You know, cause it's, we seem to have loads of people, whenever people have a sex change, they insist on telling you about it. I don't know why. I suppose because this one is fairly unusual that it's uh, a Muslim, well, converted to, uh, to Muslim... Uh, Broad Street mosques argued that she swore and stared at fellow worshippers, which she denies. A lot of sex changes do have a lot of emotional issues. A lot of emotional issues. But uh, in this particular case, I mean, you just can't quite get your head around it. I don't know why having a sex change would mean you wanted to convert to, to Islam. And says, uh, I haven't told Murad I'm a transsexual, but I know he knows. He's seen my scars. Dear. It's a little bit too much information for this time of the morning, ladies and gentlemen. Is it not? Uh, 84850, Um And uh, there's a man here who's very successful at growing plants, a bit like me, actually, with the hanging baskets. His name's Joe Robinson. He's 74. And the reason he's so unusual is that he's blind. And so he's got all his things on, on posts, and he developed an eye condition when he was younger. He says, I can't see what I'm doing, but I work by sense of touch and smell. I didn't grow as many roses as I once did because of the thorns. His son, Jamie, hooks up the baskets for him, and then Joe comes from uh, County Durham, does the rest of the work. He's won several prizes for local flower shows, and Joe says, I'm very proud of him. I should think so, too. If, if only he knew just what a, what a nice display he actually ended up with. He would be, uh, he would be very, very proud. The shadowy uh, figure being blamed for the evil chemical attacks. This is the brother, the brutal brother, the enforcer behind Syria's dictator. And somebody said, why are we bothering doing it? Why don't we just go and take him out? Which should be easier. The Syrian conflict, I think it's raged, what, 29 months now? Something like that. It's an awful lot. 100,000 deaths. 7,000 children have perished. So far, two million refugees have fled abroad and about four and a half million Syrians are now displaced refugees. Not exactly the best place to go and live, is it? But uh, these people uh, rule with the, with the rod of iron. Talisa's new novel has been canned until prosecutors, de- prosecutors decide if she'll face drug charges. I can't believe this one is still going on. It seems to be forever and a day. And I didn't even know she'd wrote a novel. A headline publishing group had confirmed the untitled novel about a South London schoolgirl destined for stardom has been postponed until next year. So there you go. That's, uh, that's what we know about uh, Talisa. And who has got the most perfect face? And apparently uh, what they've done is it's the, the, they've, they've done a, a composite picture. You know, like the police would know yours is not the perfect face. Well, it is, but not, not for, for anything that we could talk about. Uh, the eyelashes, Kim Kardashian. See, I, I mean, I don't know. Do you look at certain people and go, that's, you know, that, that's good for them. Nose, Natalie Portman. The smile, Julia Roberts. The hair, Anne Hathaway. Cheekbones, Jennifer Lopez. And the jaw, Jennifer Garner. So it gives you a composite picture of what they say is the perfect face. I don't know what the perfect face is. I suppose most of you are married to it. You would think that would be the perfect face or you're going out with the perfect face. Although sometimes you don't... I'm, I was talking... I wasn't. I was listening to somebody talking. Oh, that's right. Michael Crawford, on his documentary, was talking about couples. He, he always regrets the fact that it's his first marriage split up because it was a, a very difficult time for him. 
But at the end of the day, he said, he said, you don't want to get to a situation where you're sitting in a restaurant and, and we've all seen it. There's a couple sitting there and they're eating, but they're not saying a word to each other. Not one word passes their lips. And you think, why did you just not stay in? I never understand why. If you go out to a restaurant, no matter who I go out with, you're always chatting about something. You're always trying to make light of something. And yet you do get, and it's especially true on Valentine's Day, when there's people sitting there in the restaurant, and there's two, and there'll be a couple of couples, and they're just sitting, and sometimes they're not even looking at each other. And you think, do you think maybe the marriage is finished, and nobody, nobody knows about it? It always makes me laugh, things like that, because I think, you must have something to say. You must have something to say, but, but, uh, but they apparently... They apparently haven't. They never say anything at all. <laughs> There's a, a monk who lives on a 120-foot rock. Well, actually, he's an ex-drug dealer, and he's decided to uh, be spiritual. And so in the middle of, uh, of Georgia, he's atop uh, this Katsky pillar. It's just a pillar of rock that rises out, and he's built a little house on the top. How it was built, I've got no idea. I mean, it's quite a, a feat of engineering. It's, it's a little sort of chapel he's got up there. And he climbs a ladder... I feel ill even looking at the picture, but he climbs this ladder up the side of it, almost as bad as the picture you saw from China a few days ago, uh, a few, few weeks ago, sorry, where it's people who have to climb a vertical cliff and then walk round on pegs which are banged into the cliff to get to their, their village. Or I saw some, some the other day who have to go on a, a little basket thing which shoots them across the river and they're on like a piece of rope which, oh, it looks scary. But this ex-drug dealer uh, lives it up as a monk, 120 feet up, on this column of rock. Just imagine if you go sleepwalking in the middle of the night or something like that, or you go to the toilet. Awful. Everybody's showing us the smartwatch. To be honest, it's, it's a watch which looks far too big, and you have to put your hand up to your head. Looks a bit ridiculous. But it's, it's, a, it's very much like <coughs> the man from Uncle, where they used to talk into their, their watches. So it, it's quite a nice idea. But unless you're used to holding your hand up to the side of your face bit ridiculous. But then but, um, you, you hold a phone there. So all it is, they've, they've taken away the phone and you've got the hand there. Uh, do I want one? No. Will I buy one? Probably. <laughs> so I spoke to a friend of mine last night. He said, uh, will you be buying one of these watches? I said, oh no, definitely not. He said, right, truth time. Will you be buying one of these watches? I said, I might be. I said, if they, I think they're about £149. It's cheap enough. But whether it works with my phone, I don't know. But it, I assume it's a watch with Bluetooth attached. And it just goes through the phone. It doesn't actually, you know, you do need a phone to be in the vicinity of the watch. It doesn't, it, it looks too big and bulky for me. They need to miniaturise it down. Oh, I used to work with that man there. I used to, used to be my, my producer on B, B Sky B. And I used to do a weather programme called Weather Permitting. Lovely. Quarter to six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 10 to 6 is the time. Apparently, you would say Grand Theft Auto was ghastly. It's all about drug dealing, stealing cars, going in strip clubs, using every weapon known to attack people in street gangs. Is that it? Oh, well, there you go. Sounds, sounds as dumb as they come. I'm so glad, actually. So glad I don't do that. Apparently, the men from Uncle spoke into their pens. Didn't they, uh, didn't, didn't they do watches at some point? He used to pull his pen out. I'm sure he spoke into his watch at some time. Hello? Which is going to be the new Samsung thing, isn't it? A uh, bit of fog to the uh, north of town this morning. Time to use your front and rear fog lights. Anybody have front fog lights? I've never had... I don't think I've got... I uh, don't know what I've got at the front. I've never actually looked. But fog lights at the back I find very distracting. Very distracting. I'm frightened of life at me going out in fog conditions. We used to have it years ago, and it's not, uh, not so bad now. But these early morning mist 
patches are not very good at all. So can anybody else tell me, the men from Uncle, do they talk to their pens or do they talk to their watch? I know they did talk to pens, but didn't they do watches as well? Uh, who should win Celebrity Big Brother? None of them. There aren't any celebrities in there. So who should win Big Brother? Mario. Little, I mean, Mario's about the only one with no edge to him or anything. He's just, just sitting in there getting on with it. Nobody seems to like Karen McGiffin, do they? God dear. Nobody likes Lauren Howe. Nobody likes anybody. But at least they're all doing it for the money. And we've uh, finally kicked out Sophie Adderton. What a deeply, deeply troubled and unpleasant person she is. Toys R Us. I don't know if you've ever been in a Toys R Us, but they're going to stop marketing their toys by gender. I didn't know they did. Apparently they've pledged to drop gender labelling for their products. The retailer declared it would be more inclusive when marketing toys for girls and boys and said it would draw up plans in the long term to remove explicit references to gender. The move followed by pressure from Let Toys Be Toys, a consumer group, representing thousands of shoppers that campaigned for the sale of toys, not aimed specifically at girls or boys. Well, they're going to have to... I mean, dolls, surely, are going to go for girls, aren't they? And pink is always going to be a girly colour, and blue's always going to be a boysy colour. But I'm assuming girls can play with toy cars, if they so desire, if they want to be butch. But, I mean, everybody's got different different toys. You probably had a favourite toy when you were younger, and your kids probably had favourite toys, and they, they don't seem to be particularly gender-aligned. I wasn't aware in Toys R Us that things were specifically... Unless they actually put on a box suitable for girls between the ages of six and seven. But, you know, when, when, when children are young, I don't think they care what it is they play with. If you put a load of toys in the garden, kids just see them as toys. They don't, they don't see them as, as anything else, I'm afraid. Yes, Steve, the men from Uncle spoke into their pens. Thank you. So, obviously that. Uh, 84850, uk, And um, my husband and I are one of those couples, says Emma, currently doing a night shift near Tower Bridge. Uh, my husband never has a thing to say in restaurants. Perhaps I should tell him I'll trade him in for a more articulate chat. I never understand why people don't speak in restaurants. I always thought somebody would have something to say, but I have seen it. I've seen it on so many occasions where people sit there and they're staring into the distance, not even, lo- not even looking at the food. They're just sort of eating it. And you think, are you sure you're married? <laughs> Have you met this person before? <laughs> not to know what sort of night shift you're doing near Tower Bridge. I bet, it's a- I bet it'd be one of these cafes, won't it, which serves egg, bacon and three sausages. I quite fancy the idea of three sausages again this morning with eggs, but uh, I, think, I think maybe not. Maybe not. So, uh, Toys R Us, is that, is that, have you noticed that, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been shopping for the, the kids? And uh, here's another... Van Gogh, Van Gogh, Van Gogh. Anyway, Vincent Van Gogh's paintings of sunflowers, which hang in the National Gallery in London, and the uh, the Neue Pinothek in Munich, are among the most celebrated works of art in the world. Didn't he paint quite a lot of sunflowers? I'm totally convinced. Fact, I think Vincent painted quite a lot of them, and one of them went for 14 million, and one went for, for more. Four original sunflower works in uh, Provence in 1888 before creating three copies some months later. So that means, I suppose, that there would be 12, 12 sunflowers all over the place, which is quite good. But when they had a, a recent Van Gogh exhibition, I did go and look, because when he went quite mad towards the end of his life, he was painting all sorts of balmy things. But uh, very, very interesting, very interesting. Um... The uh, the six sunflowers, which had been bought by an art connoisseur, this is Koyoto uh, Yamamoto, perished in a US bombing raid uh, near Osaka in 1945, same day the atomic bomb, of course, was dropped on Hiroshima. The second unknown painting, 
three sunflowers has not been seen in public since 1948. After a show, it was bought by a Greek shipping magnate called George Emberikos, and it was sold in the late 1990s to a wealthy and extremely private unnamed collector. Mr Bailey, who's a correspondent for the art newspaper, said the four original paintings were completed in less than a week, twice as fast as previously mentioned. Definitely, I know, you, know, you never think about how long these pictures take to actually uh, to do. I suppose it's quite handy if you're... But there was an artist on the television the other day. He appeared to be very good. And he went into an art shop and, uh, and he bought some paints in there. Because we all remember all the different paints and the colours and everything else. And, um, and, and while he was waiting, he did a little doodle for the woman behind the counter. And I thought, that'd have been Van Gogh. So apparently he used to write on tablecloths and stuff like that. Anything that he could actually sort of see the, the, the drawing. He was constantly drawing, constantly doing little pictures. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be lovely if you found one of those? Who was that? There was a very famous painter in this country, and I can't remember his name at the moment. But he used to, he did all sorts of do And the, some of his broken up, Francis Bacon. Francis Bacon. I'm sure that some of his stuff came up for auction a while ago. And they were sort of broken pictures. But because it was Francis Bacon... It was, it was worth a small fortune, and I, I quite like that idea. I quite like that idea. Unfortunately, I've never had anything. We do have an oil painting in our family. Uh, my brother is totally convinced it's by a Dutch master. And uh, I seem to remember, I think my dad brought it up to London. I think Sotheby's had a look at it and said, no, just a, just a bog-standard painting, I'm afraid. Even though the sky is very good, but it's got men in uniform in it. Uh, in that sort of typical Dutch sort of pose. It could be anyway. We think, we think it's Rotterdam. But I think my parents bought it in a junk shop, and uh, and that's it. But we we like it. You know, it's good for us. We don't really care about it. 84850, steve at uk. Apparently Tracy talked to his watch. Men from Uncle used pens. Ha-ha. So now you know. Thank you, Scott. So Tracy talked to his watch. Who's Tracy? Is that is that one of the uh, the Thunderbirds people? Is that Tracy there? I don't know. But you're right, actually. The more I think about the man from Uncle, the more I think he pulls his pen out to talk to Mr Waverley. What we'll do after the uh, news at six this morning, we'll run through the uh, the front pages of the papers for those people who are just staggering around, trying to wake themselves up slowly but surely. It's not easy, is it? Especially it's th- But look on the fact that it's Thursday. Look on the fact you're going to be travelling in. I still can't believe every day the, uh, the trains disgorge thousands and thousands of people at all the railway stations. And uh, and you think, oh, another day in another day in London, which is great actually. It's nothing made with another day in London, but it's the way some people have to come into work, bunched in like cattle. There's there's nothing exciting, is there, on the trains at all? Uh, Steve, people not talking in restaurants. Worse than that, I saw a couple sitting facing each other with the back of his laptop facing her. That's even worse, isn't it? It's the, it's when you get people on their phones. I think every restaurant should actually. Uh, should actually ban telephones. There should be, like, um, a buzzing noise that actually takes out people's phones. I'd love to see it on the train, because you get more people on the train on their phones than anything else. I've never known so many people on trains with phones. At one time, people would sit there reading a book or a, a newspaper. Now, the first thing they do, they get on the train, on the phone. There was some woman the other day, she was sitting right in front of me. She was on the phone when she got on the train, she sits down, she's only young, and proceeded to tell us her entire life history on the phone. I knew more about her when I got off than I knew about anybody else. I knew that she'd uh, she'd just employed some people, she wasn't too sure about them. Uh, One of them was called Alice, and anyway, Alice had asked for time off already and she wasn't prepared to do that. And then it went on, so how are you? She went, babe. And I knew the conversation was going to take a downward turn. Because uh, uh, the, the first bit of the conversation was all her, her, her. 
Second bit was all about, you know, what her friend was doing. And unfortunately, I only got the half of the conversation. But I wished I had a little buzzer that you could push. I've got a little one that turns televisions off. Not a remote. It's a little... T- well, it is a remote. It's a little tiny thing. You can do it in pubs. You know when you go into a pub and everyone's watching for you going, yeah, people are shouting and screaming. This little device came out a while ago and you just push it and it, it changes the channel on the television. And I think I might start using it again because I think nothing worse than going to a pub and they've got a burning television on in the background. You just push it. They go, what's the matter? What's the-, the television's gone funny. And you just sit there and smile quietly to yourself. It's LBC 97.3. Steve at lbc.co.uk. News at six is coming up in a matter of minutes. It's LBC 97.3. It's a case of up, up, rise and shine. Front page is coming up in a moment. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Five past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Early breakfast. Actually, Ellen and Oaks just said to me, every time you talk about sausages, she said, I like sausages. I said, well, the ones in the canteen are excellent. It's just that my friend Toby said three sausages. I think I feel quite guilty about it. I've stopped eating porridge now because apparently it's got calories in it. Uh, apparently, Kevin, he says, Tracy was the Thunderbird family surname. You had Scott Tracy, Alan Tracy, Jeff Tracy. It was compulsive family viewing Sunday lunchtime in my younger years. So all I can say now is FAB. Did FAB stand for anything or was it, it didn't, it didn't, did it? I think, I think that's what we deduced was TARDIS's time and relative dimension in space. FAB, which was fab, I don't think stood for anything else at all. Kevin, he says, I'm not talking to any watch. <laughs> this is this new... This new bit of gadgetry that you're all going to be wanting, apparently. If it's 150 quid, I'll have to buy it, but I probably won't use it. I've still got a watch, which I bought years ago, a Casio watch, with a camera in it. Do you remember Casio brought out these watches? It's only like £99. And also, I had a little television. I wish I'd kept it. Microvision, it was. Sinclair Microvision. And it was a one-inch screen. And I've got a little camera as well, which is based on a, a very famous camera, but it's a miniature version and I bought it in a, in a shop. In, well, a friend of mine bought it in Sloan Square. Bought it years ago. About £300. I'll bring it in shape because it looks like a, a Roliflex camera. You know the Roliflex cameras? I mean, this one, it's miniature. It's about, about five inches tall in miniature. And you lift up the top. It's got a little tiny TV screen in there. Do you know I'm going to be worth so much money when I'm not here? I've just worked out, actually. I'm going to do, do quite well. Uh, wasn't there a programme, says Malcolm, called Gemini Man with Ben Murphy? When he pressed his watch, he became invisible. Was Ben Murphy the one who did... He rode a horse with another bloke who ended up committing suicide. I'm sure that Ben Murphy, in the back of my mind, there are two robbers. They're, they're cowboys, but they're, they... Oh, what was it called, for goodness sake? Two, they, they were two cowboys, but they had to keep out of trouble because they were in, involved with the law in some way. And one of them died. It was Ben Murphy and Pete Duell. I think. What was the plumbing show called? But anyway, Pete Jewell, I think, died, I'm afraid. Died. Uh, 84850. Keith says, uh, a mobile phone jam, a size of a packet of cigarettes, blocks all mobiles within a 10-mile radius. £200, perfect on the train. What, what, God, it must be illegal. And the reason it would be illegal is because if you blocked somebody who was making a 999 call or you jammed it. But I have to be honest, sometimes you see people and, fo- and they go, oh, we can't hear you. Can't, I think, oh, I wish I was doing that. I can't hear you. Wait a minute, I'll call, I'll call you back. Why people need to sit on the train using their phone? They're never important conversations, are they? Never. Mike in Winchmore Hill. 
says uh, mobiles in restaurants. In many uh, US cinemas and restaurants, they use electronic phone jammers. Be handy here, but not legal. Yeah, I thought they weren't legal. Although we discovered a shop. We went to Cannes in the south of France, for those people who don't know their geography. That's right. Alias Smith and Jones. Thank you. Ben Murphy, alias Smith and Jones. But I think that Pete Duell committed suicide. I'm pretty certain. And it was a great programme. I loved it. I wonder if that's out on uh, DVD. A friend of mine said to me last night, he said, why are you still buying DVDs? I said, I don't know. Can't help it. Uh, Ilya Kuryakin, says Caroline, also had a phone and other exciting things in the heel of his shoe. I used to be an agent from Uncle as a child. I loved it. I, I wanted to be Mr Waverley. But Ilya Kuryakin, I, everybody, we, we loved Ilya Kuryakin. The men from Uncle were fantastic. I think I've got box sets at home somewhere. So uh, what fun, what memories. Did you have a, a man from Uncle Badge? You had to put your badge on when you went through the, uh, through the dry cleaning shop into the back. We've got a dry cleaners in, in Twickenham. It's not half as exciting. You can't really sort of wander into the back because Thomas is sort of doing the ironing there. Uh, Brian says, Fab, I think, stood for fully acknowledged broadcast. You think? <laughs> I don't remember that one at all. I, just, I thought it was, it was somebody said it didn't stand for anything. I'm, I'm not too sure. Wendy in Farnborough says, you mentioned in couples not talking to each other, eating out. We see older couples at rock shows just sitting there like dummies. So what's the point of going? Perhaps it's the same couples. Yes, that is. The, yes. I ne- I've never thought about that, actually. But it, you're right. I mean, why do people go out if they don't talk to each other? Anyway, we talk to people on, uh, on LBC 97.3. Why? Because we just do. Because we care. And because it's Thursday and because it's called Clegg. Can't wait to see what's going to be in the line-up today. Every, every, every week is like a novel for me. I love it. I love it. Nick Ferrari and uh, Call Clegg today, 9 o'clock. The Deputy Prime Minister and MP for Sheffield Hallam will be in the studio. Jonathan Shallot will be uh, looking through the papers this morning. So I'll tell you now what the front pages are. Just so you've got a rough idea if you're waking up. Oh, the, uh, the Woolwich Ferry, apparently, is out of bounds because of fog on the Thames. I thought it was fog on the Tyne. Fog on the Tyne's all mine, all mine. Fog on the Tyne's all mine. Was that Gaza? Didn't Gaza have something to do with that? With Lindisfarne, I think. So, um, expect extra traffic at the Blackwall Tunnel. More on uh, LBC 97.3 at 6.15 with Andy McCall. in about five minutes' time. Front page of The Express this morning. Uh, they reckon that Diana was murdered by an SAS hit squad. This, of course, will just inflame the conspiracy theorists who say that she was... T- I can't imagine why. Why would she be, why would she be killed by the SA? What would be the point of that? I mean, I'm hoping, secretly in my heart of hearts, that it was just a terrible accident. I don't like to think that we would take her out. She wasn't a danger to the British monarchy. She wasn't a danger to anybody. She, in fact, she was the most popular royal they've ever had. Nobody has ever topped the popularity of Diana, Princess of Wales. Even when you look at her now... You think to yourself, she was the most... You know, you ask any editor, ask Nick Ferrari, he will tell you that that when she was put on the front of a magazine, sales soared. It was, was, you know, far and away. Every other country, they wanted to see Diana. People loved her. And I think perhaps that's what the royal family didn't like about her. The fact she was terribly popular. So she's on the front of the Express. We haven't had a Diana story for ages. It's normally either weather or a medical story. Uh, and you've got a medical story as well. So they've, they've got two today on the Express. The Alzheimer's, the search for the cure, moves a step closer. Uh, also, the uh, the split for Catherine Zeta-Jones, looking very gaunt. Catherine Zeta-Jones, though, to look gaunt just doesn't put her makeup on. And she can look uh, very, very gaunt. I was watching somebody the other day on the television. I don't really know too much about them. I'm assuming they're, uh, they're a little popsicle star. Somebody called Connor Maynard. And somebody said he's the British Justin Bieber. I didn't think so at all, I have to be honest. I watched it at some festival and I thought, who is he? Who is he? 
He obviously has lots of fans who go, oh, he's, he's fit. People say that about me. Not, I'm afraid. Uh, the Sun on the front page, pain for Wayne is mainly on the brain. This is uh, Wayne Rooney's horror wound. I, th- I thought maybe it had some more transplanting, but apparently it turns out not to be. Uh, comedian Russell Brand was booed out of an exclusive celebrity party after a Nazi jibe at a German sponsor of an awards bash. Brand hit out at the GQ Men of the Year ceremony by pointing out how fashion firm Hugo Boss, which backed the event to the tune of a quarter of a million quid, designed uniforms for Hitler's SS. He then placed a finger under his nose and started goose-stepping. Furious organisers had him ejected from the party. Also inside, uh, poor old Jack Nicholson has quit making movies because he can't remember lines anymore. But that doesn't matter, does it? Because they can always write them. And in fact, was it, uh, was it not the great Mae West who was making a movie and she couldn't remember lines either? And so the apocryphal story goes, they fitted her with an earpiece which was hidden under all that, uh, that wig. And, uh, and the idea was that the director would read her lines and she would then repeat the lines. Unfortunately, halfway through, she, um, she started rambling incoherently and at one point was heard to say, the car's outside the restaurant. And, and they said, excuse me, Miss, Miss West, that's, uh, that's not the line in the movie. I'm sorry. It turned out that the earpiece was picking up the local cab company and she was feeding the information back down again, so she was reading out cab information. Whether it's an apocryphal story, I don't know, but it was always a good one to tell people. Uh, More on shamed X Factor contestant Tamara Foster, a rather nasty thug, as it turns out. And she fears her violent drugs past could stop Nicole Scherzinger taking her further. I hope they kick her off the show. Kick her off the show immediately. A thug who bullies... And uh, was violent to somebody. She's experimented with drugs. She's only 16. I don't... You, you don't want anybody like that on The X Factor. I'm terribly sorry. I don't believe... All this, uh, this crocodile tear she shed to the, uh, the papers. I don't buy any of it, ladies and gentlemen, at all. Still to come, Greg Wallace. He started doing what in attempt to conquer his anger issue? You won't believe it. 14 minutes past six. L- LBC 97.3 this is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 6.20, Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. It's lovely to have your company. It's Thursday. It's going to be very hot today. So, And you can tell by the fog issues that we've got that it's going to be a scorcher. As the sun burns through, we're all going to fry. And I still can't believe that building. That's, the, that's got more hits on the LBC website. The building that melts cars and you can fry eggs. To me, it, it seems like a giant reflector. Did they not use that in a James Bond film? Where they had a giant reflector and it opened up on this island and that directed the sunlight. And so this building's doing roughly the same. You'd think they'd realise, wouldn't you? We don't get sun that often in the capital. But when we do, and if the building is all mirrors... And quite clearly, it's going to uh, cause one or two issues. It's only funny that the, the building's been up for a little while. And yet only now we started getting issues with, with the, the sunshine. So they put up screens, apparently, around it. Anyway, uh, so what is Greg Wallace going to start in an attempt to conquer his anger issues? Uh, apparently meditating. The greengrocer practices the ancient relaxation technique in the evening to help him chill out and control his temper. I think if he's got a temper like that, I think they need to kick him off the television. I don't want to see him on the television anymore. We're putting too many of these people in there with sort of, you know, they've got issues... If somebody's got issues, we don't want to see them there. Uh, the party row, goose-stepping uh, Russell Brand, ejected, yelling, you are Nazis. This was because of uh, Hugo Boss. Uh, the GQ editor said to Brand, what you did was very offensive. I mean, you know, you'd have to be a bit stupid as a, as a GQ editor to know that Russell Brand is also fairly controversial. He's going to say whatever he feels. 
And I think they know that. I think they absolutely... That's why they booked him. They must be going, cool, we've never had so much coverage. Really thrilled. Anyway, Brand then turned round to the GQ editor and said what Hugo Boss did was very offensive to the Jews. So uh, I think 1-0 to Russell Brand. Front page of the Metro this morning. Justice at last for Rachel. This is the, the killer of Rachel Manning. She headed home from a fancy dress party. Yesterday, her killer was, um, was thrown into prison. This is uh, after a, a decade after her boyfriend was wrongly jailed for a murder. This is uh, Shadul Ahmed, who killed 19-year-old Rachel Manning as she headed home from this party. Caught with his DNA was linked to the case after he was arrested for a sexual assault in 2010. So, uh, into prison. He's 41 years old. He disfigured Miss Manning's face by repeatedly hitting, hitting it with a steering lock. He apparently was driven by the same demon which led to the sex attack. As he was jailed for life... Miss Manning's boyfriend, Barry White, says, you never know. If she'd been here today, we might have still been married and had two lovely kids. Appalling, really, isn't it? But at least, you know, miscarriage of justice might take them ten years, but finally they get, uh, they get round to it. Uh, hospital has been fined for the Legionnaires' disease deaths. The uh, NHS Trust in uh, uh, Basildon Hospital have been fined £350,000. The hospital apologised unreservedly. It's no good, though, is it, really? It's no good. James Compton, 74, from Billericay, and Raymond Cackett from South Ockenden died in 2010 after contracting the disease at the hospital in Basildon. I mean, you know, for a hospital to apologise afterwards. And they also admitted its failings in the case of a woman who fell from a window. It's not good enough. It's absolutely not good enough. It's, a, it's like, you know, the drug girl from The X Factor apologising now for her thuggish past. And, uh, and dr- They say past. It's cool. She's not mentioned it up until now. The moment she hits the television... You can't uh, can't shut her up squealing about it, but uh, it's not good enough. Not for the girl, incidentally, who was on the receiving end of her thuggery. Uh, eight for eight five. Okay, and Bromley has a birthday today, so many happy returns to her. And apparently, uh, Charlotte got married last Saturday, and Mum was a help. They always are mums. They're good at doing things like that. So, uh, and uh, she says uh, she gets ready for work, and I listen to you here in Germany. There you go. Scott forgets. That's the best you're going to get, I'm afraid, this morning. Uh, confirm the pen. They spoke into the pen, says Howard. Open channel D. Open channel D. I always wanted, you see, why can't we have a pen? Why have we got a boring watch? Why can't it be a pen? A pen's more exciting. Talking into a pen, you hold it in front of it, it looks like a little microphone. It looks like a little microphone. You know, talking to a watch is a bit dull. I've seen it on the television now and I've definitely decided I'm going to get one. <laughs> I've decided I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Peter sent me in a uh, picture of of nothing. Of no- oh, I hate it when it jams up like this and you can't... The thing... Give it time. I know. It's a, it's a huge picture. And um, we don't have Wi-Fi, says this sign in a pub. Talk to each other. No. <laughs> well, I quite like that idea. No, we don't have Wi-Fi. Talk to each other in a pub. Because you do get people who, you know, even in pubs, they don't talk to each other. I talk to people everywhere. I don't, I don't talk to people if they engage me in conversation out on the street. Like, like the producer. You know, hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. He comes in in the morning. And I've said to him, I don't know, because he pussyfoots around the place, honestly, in his carpet slippers. And I've said to him, I said, if you're coming in the office in the morning, if I'm sitting engrossed in the papers, can you cough before you get to the desk? So he does, what he does, he comes in and he, he doesn't go boo or anything like that. But he, put, he puts the paper down, which frightens me. And then he goes the other side of the desk and then he coughs. Like, you know, the invisible man has just laid the paper down on the desk. 
Yeah, but I said to you, cough when you come into the office. Don't, you know, so I know that somebody else in there. It's very frightening, honestly. A bit like that at home, I suspect. Uh, 84850. I think mobile phone says Valerie should be banned from restaurants as well as public places. So antisocial and rude to have people shouting down the phone while you're having a quiet meal. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, none of these conversations that people ever have on trains or on buses or on planes, whatever, they're never important. They're just silly conversations. If ever right, somebody phones me, unless it's somebody I'm really expecting a call from, and I think I better answer that, it could be really important, I just download it. If it's important, they'll leave a message on the answer phone, and then I'll, I'll pick it up when I actually get off, off the thing. Uh, I, I like it when they're saying, can you hear me, can you hear me? This is Paul, who's complaining about it. He says, unfortunately, yes, there is a gadget that cuts out signals, but apparently illegal in the UK. A friend told me they're on sale in Amsterdam. They appear to be on sale all over the place, <laughs> to be honest with you. I wouldn't mind. Why can't they just feed it into the train, and then it can sort of cut these things out? On our way to Heathrow goes Joe for daughter Jessica's 21st birthday. Please wish her a very happy birthday. So there you go. Jessica, happy birthday. Happy birthday. It's nice, isn't it? And uh, the TV show was... Uh, it's not Alias Smith & Jones. Wasn't it Alas Smith & Jones? Perhaps it... Was it Alas Smith & Jones? Thank you. Clive knows these things. And uh, they showed it maybe in the 80s and 90s in the daytime. Us... No, the... It was Alias Smith. It's hopeless, isn't it, really? Honestly. Griff Jones had the Alas Smith & Jones, where they sat there over the table with their faces. But the Alias Smith & Jones was Pete Jewell and, and Ben Murphy. I knew I was right. I was right, aren't I? I hate being right. It's so embarrassing sometimes we have to speak to the younger members of the crew around here today. Well, I only asked just to just, for, just, just... Well, don't start on me picking on me this morning. They always pick on us poor diabetics. Us poor fat diabetics get picked on all the time by slim people who won't wear what they're told to wear. And we'll give you more on that one tomorrow. Us 40-year-olds wouldn't have seen it first time around. It was made in 71, says Paul. I think I'm running out of time. I've got this horrible feeling I just don't have any more time left on the programme. I've got about... Um, a few minutes to tell you the mirror, uh, the truth about my head gash from Wayne Rooney. I still think that was the best headline. I still think the the pain for Wayne is mainly on the brain. I think that's quite a good headline. Well done to the sun this morning. Uh, the Daily Mail, the £5 heart attack test saving thousands of women. Pippa revealing a schoolgirl crush on her teacher. The Times, Obama calls on the world to fight Syria barbarism. And don't forget, it's called Clegg at nine o'clock this morning with Nick on the breakfast show. And... Uh, Professor Jonathan Shallot will be in as well. Uh, Pippa on the front page of The Telegraph and no action on illegal abortion doctors. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Back with you tomorrow morning. And so I hope we have a nice day. It's going to be very hot. You might as well enjoy it. I won't. I shall be thoroughly miserable by tomorrow morning. But uh, we'll talk then. We'll have a free podcast up in 30 minutes and the remainder of the programme up a little bit later on. You can download it by going to the LBC website. Nick and the team at seven with breakfast. Next, the morning news with Lisa Aziz.